Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Love Talk Radio. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, Thank you for tuning in once again. It is Tuesday night, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. That could only mean one thing. It is time for the best show, the most innovative show on the Internet. You're listening live to Dead End Sports. I'm your host, 12 Kyle. The phone number to call in, area code 646-478-0356. Again, the number 646 478 Zero three five six. This is an interactive show. We ask that you not just listen to the show, be a part of the show, participate in tonight's discussion. There's a couple of ways you can do that. You can log into the chat room. The chat room is always open and interactive. Just create a profile for yourself and participate in tonight's show. Uh, it's free. doesn't cost you anything. Uh, you can also hit us up if you're on Facebook. Go to Facebook.com backslash Dead End Sports. Become a fan of the page. Like our page. Uh, that way you can keep up with things that are going in and around the world on Facebook, on our Facebook page. Uh, if you're on Twitter, hit us up on Twitter at Dead End Sports. Uh, we also have a website, DeadEndSports.com. Uh, if you're on Twitter, hit us up also individually. You can follow us. You can follow Ken at, at K-B-I-N-G-E. Uh, you can follow FIFO at F-E-E-F-O-247. You can follow Beezy at B-E-E-Z-Y-430. And you can follow me, 12Kyle, at the number 12-K-Y-L-E. As I mentioned, this show is being broadcast live each and every Tuesday night. So in the event you cannot listen to the show live, make sure that you check out the archives at blogtalkradio.com backslash dead end sports. You can also catch us on Stitcher if you have an Android or iPhone, like most people do, um, just down, just go to your application store, download the Stitcher application for free, search Dead End Sports, and you can listen at your leisure, at home or on the go. It's just that simple. Again, the phone number to call in tonight, 646-478-0356. Man, we got a lot of sports to talk about. Definitely not going to keep the people waiting. Um, let's go ahead and get it started. Before we get uh, started, definitely got to bring in my boys. Uh, first and foremost, bring in the beat maker of the crew, my man Peasy. P, what up, man? What up, man? How's it going? Uh, what up, though, man? Everything good, man. Everything's good. I can't complain, bro. I can't complain at all. Same here. And next, and next, we got to bring in uh, the. Uh, I, I got to think of a nickname for him. Um, I, I don't want to call him the elder statesman because I'm older than him. Um, let's just call him old. Ken, what's up, man? <laughs> hey, what's good, man? <laughs> chilling, chilling. What's going on, bro? Sitting here watching this, this uh, Miami Heat game, man. Um, you know, yeah, it looks like Brooklyn. Miami pulling pulling away from him. 
Man, you know how the heat. You know how the heat are, man. They, uh, you can't, you can't trust them until the clock says triple zeros on it. Exactly, <laughs> so um, exactly. it depends if, uh, if if Brooklyn, if Jason Kidd brings out his players and just save them, you know, for next game. Yeah, it should in theory be over. But if he tries to, you know, give it one more go at it, then you never know with the heat, man. <laughs> you just never know exactly. with heat. You just never know. You never know. Uh, last but not least, bring in my man, the point guard of the crew, my man FIFO. FIFO, what's up, man? What up, man? What up? Chilling, chilling, chilling. Ready to talk some sports. Uh, hit us up, 646-478-0356. Again, 646-478-0356. Man, there's so much to talk about. Um, obviously, we got the NBA playoffs uh, underway. The first round has been wrapped up. Um, we're already into the second round now. Um, and we so we're definitely going to talk matchups. Uh, the NFL draft is in just two days. It starts in two days. Uh, the big question is, you know, who's going to go number one? Uh, a lot of questions about Johnny Manziel and these quarterbacks. Um, but I want to I want to do something a little different, man. Let's start on the tip. Let's start on boxing, man. Let's start right there. Um, the other night, man, Saturday night, Mayweather, Madonna, um, got a chance to, to to watch the fight. In fact, all of us watched the fight together. Uh, if some of you don't know, it's actually my first time meeting FIFO uh, and, and Mike Seatown, who, you know, definitely not, <laughs> he's not on this call tonight. But um, uh, good dudes, man, funny dude. Mike Seatown is as crazy as advertised. I'll just put it like that. Um, but we had a good time, man, watching the fight. Mayweather, Madonna, man, so we're going to start there. Um, B, man, what was your what was your thoughts about the, the fight, man? What, what, what did you take away from it? Oh, man. Uh, I think the only thing – I think you know what it is with this fight. I think people are so used to seeing Mayweather comfortable by the second or third round. Mm-hmm. And, you know, by by seeing Mayweather not getting comfortable to, like, the seventh, eighth, ninth round, people just went up and say, oh, Mayweather lost, Mayweather lost. When you look at the numbers, this guy only landed – and I looked at the fight again. This dude only landed 24% of his punches. He was missing Mayweather a lot. And I, I, and I saw a video, I think it was that, that following Sunday after, and, you know, uh, Tony Allen, he made a great point I thought about Mayweather. Uh, he said Mayweather's his defense is his greatest strength and his greatest weakness, which okay. and I think he was, say, he, I think he was saying, like, sometimes Mayweather be so much on the defense that he don't throw enough punch that, you know, the, well, I mean, obviously the judges saw, saw the fight of him winning, but. I think sometimes when Mayweather gets so defensive and don't throw enough punches and you see the other guy punching, punching, and working, and working, sometimes it kind of fools you. And you think, like, well, you know, this guy's not working Mayweather, whatever, whatever. But then you look at the numbers, and it's like Mayweather, this dude, Mayweather dies over 600 punches from this guy Saturday night. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And he landed more than half of his punches. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? So I just think, I think, I know for just general, for myself, I think we're just so used, I'm so used to seeing Mayweather be like, oh, yeah, second round, third round. He's about to win it, you know. You know, and then you know, later rounds, you see him being still, you know, just getting comfortable. And like I said, this this is the first time I've seen him this uncomfortable in the late rounds since he fought Jose Calisio. And mm-hmm. if you look at those numbers, if you look at those, and I told people that me and people had a, a private conversation about uh, when I when I saw Mayweather fight Jose Calisio, and um, here are the numbers right here. Um, Calisio was two two oh three punches landed and threw him four four five oh six. Landed 40% of his punches. Mayweather only landed 157 out of 448. Only 35% of his punches. And Mayweather 
Mayweather Mayweather won that fight still. And I said, if that, I told people, if that was a fight I think I saw Mayweather maybe lose or draw to was that particular fight. I think okay. just like Jose, I think just like Jose Coliseo, I think he's gonna have to fight uh, Madonna again. Just like you know, just like last time when he when he lost when he when, it, when he won last time, there was a big controversy. Oh, you know, Mayweather, you lost that fight. You lost that fight. He rematched him. It was still a tough fight for Mayweather, but it was a it was a more convincing win the second time they fought. And I think okay, he, he gonna he's gonna have to rematch him this September. I think he's they're gonna, they're gonna have to fight again. And I, and I think Mayweather gonna have to kind of make it. Make it obvious that you know, hey, it wasn't no fluke. Look, this dude only connected twenty four percent of his punches for a reason. I'm about to go out here and do work. You know, that's all. And I think the second time around, Mayweather's going to adjust earlier because I don't think Madonna's going to come with a with a plan B. I think I think Madonna thinks he won, so he's going to come in to this second fight ready to throw all you know a thousand punches. You know what I'm saying? I think mm-hmm. Mayweather. I think by him fighting him for the first time, Mayweather's already adjusted now. So I think. He's, he's going to have to rematch him again. I don't know if people want to see it or not, but I think he's going to have to just to shut the critics up, just like just like Jose Calasio. But I thought, I mean, I just thought they would have won the fight. I mean, that draw, I thought it was some BS, the one, the one fighter that, that had the draw. I think 116-112 was probably the best score. That 117, I thought it was a yeah. little crazy. <laughs> that was a bit of a but, stretch. But, but 116 to 112, I thought was, was that was fair. I think if all three judges had that 116-112, I'd be like, okay, yeah, that, that's, that's perfect. I just think we got so caught up in him not looking comfortable in the early rounds. You know, we was like, oh, Mayweather lost. And it's like, no, dude, this, this guy was, I looked, like I said, I looked at the fight again. Dude. He was missing Mayweather a whole bunch. I mean, just swinging at all hair. Okay, okay, okay. Definitely a, a good perspective right there. What about you, Ken? Uh, what was your take on the fight, man? Um, I agree with B. I, I do think we, we, we got caught up in how uncomfortable Mayweather looked. Um, I do think the fight was was a lot closer than than some of the score was, but um, but overall, you know, like I was saying the whole night while we were watching it, especially towards the latter part of the game, Mayweather's not going to lose that fight, right? And mainly because um, for me, what what I saw was that Madonna switched up, and there was a couple of things Madonna. Switched up and he didn't. He wasn't able to get him into the on the ropes like he had him before. Mm-hmm. And the second thing is that is that when he did, when he was able to get him on the ropes, he had him. He would tie him up, and that would take away Madonna's ability to throw punches, swing or miss, whatever you want to call it. You know what I'm saying? It, it took his game plan away, so he wasn't able to execute the way he was earlier in the game. So when the fight was fought in the middle of the ring. You know, we we saw Mayweather did what Mayweather does, man. He just kind of, you know, sat there and had his defense up and, you know, threw jab here, hooked there, and, and, and that was it. Madonna didn't stand the chance. So, um, so no, I don't I don't think Madonna won the fight at all because Floyd went Mayweather down the stretch controlled the rest of that game. Madonna right. came out in a flurry. He caught Floyd off guard. He was tearing the back of his head up and the side of his ear up, <laughs> you know, but... You know, it, he wasn't able to sustain it throughout the whole course of the game. And it's just like you guys were saying while we were there. Mayweather will adjust, and the game will be, the, the, the fight will be over. So, you know, yeah, you know, Madonna's plan was to throw a lot of punches, hopefully land a lot of punches, because Mayweather don't really throw a lot of punches, and he succeeded in that, but he wasn't able to influence the judges 
on the latter part of the game the way he was earlier on the game. They had a lot of people thinking Madonna was going to steal the fight. Something was wrong with Mayweather, though. He was off his game. No, no doubt, no doubt. What, what about you, FIFA? What would you take away from the fight? Um, honestly, I think this is the first time I, I've seen Mayweather really look his age. Um, but, you know, that, that's not really a big slight because, let's be honest, man, this guy's 37 years old, and he still looks on point, you know, more on point than I would say probably about 80, 80 85% of the fighters that fight. But by Mayweather standards, I he definitely looked like I, like, I don't even want to say a half step slower. It's like a point three steps slower, point two five, like a quarter step slower. Um, but um, you know, just to go on beast point, you know, a lot of people, especially you know, at the fight party, you know, they're like, "Oh, my Donna's winning!" Nah, man. Like I, I, I said it during the fight, it's gonna come down to percentages. Uh, who landed what? Because my Donna was the more aggressive fighter, but this is boxing. Mm-hmm. This is not UFC. This is not you know. This is not necessarily an eyeball test. It's about points. It's about scoring. It's about landing punches and not getting hit. And that is Mayweather's game plan all the time. Like like B just said, you know, his greatest strength and his weakness is is his defense. And with defense means that you can't punch me. And as an offensive fighter, Mayweather's a counterpuncher. So he makes right. you miss and then he pays for you missing. And, and you saw that. Some of Mayweather's biggest punches was when he ducked being Mayweather, you know, no hands up, just dodging back, and you miss your jab, and he's coming with the straight. You know, I think Maidana did have something that was interesting with that over, that overhand right that he kept getting Mayweather kind of in the back of the head every time he ducked. I thought that was relatively interesting. I've never seen nobody take that approach with Mayweather, especially right. with that shell defense. But, um, but let's be honest, man. Like, when it came down to scoring, Mayweather scored. He won more rounds. And that's what happened. And whether you like it or not, Mayweather is not a knockout artist. He is going mm-hmm. to score. He is going to beat you in the majority of the rounds. He's going to win the fight. Hey, right, right. Yeah. What up? I, I, I mean, I forgot to mention. I was looking at. I was watching the fight again, and you know, when when Madonna was hitting him with them overhead rights in the back of the head, it's, mm-hmm. it's, I found it kind of interesting that the ref kept warning him. He, he warned uh, Madonna like about maybe five or six times. You know. Stop mm-hmm. throwing your over right hand like that, and, and he never took points from it. I, I, thought, I thought it was for interest because he kept hitting him in the back of the head. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's mm-hmm. a big You can't do that. And and the ref kept warning. The ref kept saying, "Yo, bam, bam." He kept hitting. Him. He kept low blowing Mayweather. Too. He low blowed Mayweather like seven times in, in the mm-hmm. fight. I'm surprised he didn't get a point taken away. I, I'm really shocked, like he didn't, because he he got he got more than enough warnings in that fight. And, and 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 everything. Like I said, I watched it again. I, I just started seeing stuff that I didn't see the first time. I'm like, damn, you know. So yeah, I just wanted to add that in. I forgot to add that when I spoke the first time. Go ahead, Kyle. Yeah, I, I agree with everybody. I, I think it was. Um, I, I definitely agree with FIFA. I, I think this is the first time I've seen Floyd not rattled or anything. But I think I just he wasn't just Floyd that I that, I, that we always used to see him. Much like you, like you said, B, you knew in the later rounds he wasn't going to knock him out, but what he was going to do was be he was going to stand in the middle of the ring and box with him. Now, I think probably of the first six rounds, I think Madonna had him like five of the first six rounds. And I don't know if it's – and everybody knows, you know, you can say what you want about Floyd Mayweather Jr., but, you know, he's in tip-top condition. Um, and I don't know if, if he kind of warmed down or if, if, if Madonna got tired. I plan to go back and watch the fight as well. Um but um but yeah, I, I thought it was 
you know, it, it was a typical Floyd showing, but I think that was the, those first couple of rounds were really indicative of, like, like you said, he, he slowed down a little bit. Not a whole lot, but, you know, and not enough to where maybe, you know, somebody could beat him because you're not going to catch. The, the thing is, is to try to catch him slipping and, you know, catch him with a good punch. You know, but he's so cat-like quick, you know, you're not going to get a good shot on Floyd. Um, but, I, you know, give props to McDonough, man. He was really the first five, six rounds. He was the aggressor. He was backing him in the corner. And uh, <laughs> as Mike C-Town noted at the party, he was tearing the back of his brain stem up. <laughs> yeah, he, he was. He sure was. And, and I've never seen somebody hit like, but, I mean, he was really, like, just chopping at the back of his head. And and, and I, I'm, I'm glad you pointed it out because I didn't, you know, during the fight, we didn't realize that he had gotten warned. And, and normally, like you said, if you, once you get warned once or twice, you know, they start taking yeah. points away. But it didn't happen. So I thought that was um, the fact that that happened and didn't happen. I think that was key. But overall, it was it was a decent fight. You know, I, I, I'm not going to go as far as to say it was a draw. I'm not going to say that. And Maidana didn't win. I, I don't think anybody that watched the fight would say that. What I will say is the fight was a lot closer than people had expected it to be. And, you know, give or take a round or two here. Because I think Floyd closed out on just about all but maybe the 10th round, if I'm not mistaken. Um but, you know, and and really, like we mentioned at the party, once you get into the later rounds, you know, as a fighter, you know you got to take the champ out. You you know, you're not going to win on the decision. You know, that's that's just not mm-hmm. going to happen. Um, call it money or call it whatever, <laughs> you're not going to win on the decision. But um, overall, like I said, it was a decent fight, man, and I, I, I would like to see a rematch. Um, I don't think that Maydonna would fare well, fare as well in a, in a rematch. But um, I wouldn't mind seeing a rematch. I would not mind seeing a rematch at all. It's, uh, the, it's funny ahead. you say that, uh, Kyle, because I, I, I was wondering why they kept going about those gloves. Because even after the, you know, the, after the, you know, the in the ring interview, and then you know, Madonna trying to saying, you know, can we can we use our gloves next time? And, you know, Madonna felt like he didn't have the advantage because he didn't have his gloves. You did mm-hmm. like you would have had an advantage because if, if if it was if those gloves was the way that Mayweather said they were. Yeah, I can understand. Oh, yeah, your advantage is taken away because you got a, freak, a freaking glove with no pad, and you got a wrist that's taped up. So, yeah, that's an advantage. So it, it's amazing how they were still kind of fighting to use those gloves, you know, arguing to use those gloves, even if they get a rematch. Can we use our gloves? So it's like, if you think Mayweather is going to – he didn't go for it the first time, you think he's going to go for it the second time? So Yeah, and, and, and you know, man, that could have been something. It could have been a little psychological thing. You know, he didn't have his gloves, so maybe he didn't feel as comfortable. I don't know. It'll definitely be interesting to see, no you know, pad. how it plays out if they do get a rematch. I, you know, that's been the talk is that there may be a possible rematch in the coming months. So, I, like I said, I'd like to see it. Yeah. Uh, the phone number to call in, area code 646-478-0356. Again, 646-478-0356. You're locked in live to Dead End Sports. Um, speaking of boxing, man, we, we, we got into <laughs> We got into the subject of, uh, at the fight party, just talking about, you know, some of the better boxers and who would be ranked where. So it got me to thinking, man, and I, and I said, well, we, we had to talk about it on the show. Um, your top five boxers in any weight class of all time. Once again, name your top five boxers, any weight class. So you can be, it can be five lightweights, one bantamweight, one heavy, however you want to do it. And you can, you know, obviously we didn't see a whole, you know, like we didn't see Rocky Marciano. But if you want to put him in there, based on, you know, what you've heard, 
so be it. So I'll start with you first, B. Um, top five boxers, any weight class of all time. Uh, number five. I'm gonna start at number five, and I'm gonna go to one. Um, okay. Number number five. I'm, I'm gonna go uh, Mayweather at number five. Um, I think just from a skill set wise of box, I think I've never seen no one as gifted from a skill set as far as boxing, man. It's, it's in Floyd Mayweather just throughout his whole career. I've never seen no one so de- defensively sound. Even in his probably first half of his career, he was he was a little more offensive heavy, you know, but I mean, probably because he was younger and he was more relentless and he had a point to prove. But, you know, he was knocking cats out. I mean, his he, that, them sharp right hands and them left hooks, man, he was knocking fools out back then. But, you know, I just never seen no one so gifted as him just from a boxing skill standpoint. I mean... He could be up higher, but I will give him a knock. He, he during like from like 2001 to like 06, he wasn't really fighting the best. I, I, I felt the best competition around that time. I mean, this is this is excluding Pacquiao. This is even before the Pacquiao fiasco or whatever. But so I'll put him at number five. Um, number four, I'm gonna go with um uh, uh Julio Chavez. Julio Chavez. Yeah, man, dude went 89 and no before he took his first loss. <laughs> like that's freaking unheard of, man. Dude, uh, Julio was a beast, man. He was. I think he held it like what one of the best. Not even just one of the best boxers, but just one of the best Mexican boxers like ever. So yeah, yeah. That's, he that's was a brawler. Yeah, man. He did. He yeah, was a and, like he was a guy that just was not scared. Um, number three, I'm gonna go with uh, Mike Tyson. Um, Mike Tyson. Yeah, I think. <laughs> For him to be 20 years old and to be in the unified the heavyweight division, that's that's like unheard of. Like, and like I said, like I told y'all, like when he stepped into the ring, he already won because the fighters was already defeated at that point. Like, no heavyweight was that intimidating and and that fierce like Mike Tyson. And his his le- he had he, his left his left hand was just as strong as his right hand. Like it wasn't like no oh you know how most guys got that you know right jab or left jab and then your right hand is the strong your right straight is the stronger right hand. This dude Mike Tyson would tear you up. And then by him being like five ten and five eleven, he was beating down guys that was six five six six because he knew how to lateral move so fast mm-hmm. as a heavyweight. I've never seen that before as a heavyweight, man. The way he used to lateral, 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 duck his head, duck his head, duck his jabs, and just, and just tear you up. So, yeah, Mike Tyson. I mean, yeah, him doing what he did throughout the 80s, man, and was was crazy. It was crazy. It was just like, and at a young age at that, too, that's crazy. So, yeah, Mike Tyson, number three. Um, number two, even though I didn't see him, but I know my dad and grandpa used to just rave about this dude all day, was uh, Sugar Ray Robinson. Sugar Ray Robinson. Yes, sir. Uh, number two, um, you know, supposedly, you know, Muhammad um, Ali said he has, he got his, a lot of his style and his suave from him, you know what I'm saying, his boxing style, man. so, you know, and then Sugar Ray Robinson record is like, like, I mean, they don't fight like that no more, his, his record is like nah, 170, nah. And, yeah, his record is like 170 and, and like, and like, 170, Sugar Ray Robinson, like 173 of those 173, 170. 109 with knockouts, 19 losses, six draws, yeah. and two no contests. Yeah, like, like that's crazy, man. And you know, is oh yeah, Sherman Robinson was like unheard of, you know, for that during that from like my 1940s to the 1960s. And of course, you know, number one, I gotta go with Muhammad Ali. Muhammad Ali, number one, not just only just as an athlete, but just for what he stood for during that time period. And and you know, you take him away three years out of boxing to go fight the Supreme Court and stuff like that over the Vietnam War, come back. And still dominate boxing the way he did, you know, 
uh, Joe Frazier fights. He wanted to trade through that. George Foreman, you know, that, oh, man. Like, yeah, Ali was just that dude. I think in his prime, Ali, I think, was just was out weird. He wasn't your typical heavyweight back then. You know, nobody mm-hmm. never seen a heavyweight at that size move like a middleweight or a lightweight and still have that power to knock your ass out. You know what I'm saying? And just throwing combos and stuff like that. Because back then, you know, based on my dad, back then a lot of people looked at like, Sonny Liston was like a typical heavyweight. Joe Lewis was yeah, like a typical yeah. heavyweight. Big, big brawler standing in front guy. of you. Yeah, big brawler standing in front of you. Bam, bam, knock you out by like two punches and you're done. But I leave for him to be so, to be such a, a, a what's that word I'm looking for? A ring, whatever, ring specialist, man. Like just how he just, how he controlled the ring and danced around the ring and just, and then that jab, bam, 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 man. He was just, he just outsmart you, man. He, Ali was just, he was, yeah, he was the, the original Mayweather. Like just the outcraft he was. I'll smart you the whole time, man. So that's my top five. No doubt, no doubt. What about you, FIFO? Top five boxers, any weight class of all time. You know, uh, unlike B, my, my list is going to be sweet, short, to the point. I don't have any more of He had to give explanation with his. It's all good. Yeah, he did. <laughs> I, I'm going to just give you all my five, no particular order. Uh, first person I have to put on their hands down, um, just because I, I grew up with him, I watched him, and when I seen him, I was just like, I've never seen nothing like that. Is Mike Tyson, um, hands down, probably the most fearful boxer to ever play or uh, to ever fight in the NBA. Uh, in the NBA, I'm sorry, over here watching <laughs> the damn game. On. Yeah, in boxing. <laughs> yeah. Um, I gotta put Ali up there, just you know how B said what he stood for. Um. And, and, and just the fact that, you know, he had power, speed, and brain. You know, not a lot of boxers put all three of them together. Um, the other person I got to go with is George Foreman. Uh, I, I, I watched George Foreman when he was the heavier George. I didn't really get to, you know, watch him, you know, live when, when, when he was in his prime. But, you know, I've gone back and, and, and watched him, and he's always been one of my favorites. Just, you know, I've, I've always been a, a heavyweight kind of guy. So, you know, um, the other guy, I got to put Mayweather. Uh, up there, um, just because I, I've never like 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 the fight like when I got into Mayweather, my boy told me about him was the Arturo Gotti fight, and when okay. I seen that, I was like, yo, I, I've never seen somebody just dominate a fight so bad to the point where like Arturo Gotti's both eyes were just closed. He he just looked way outclassed, outmatched. It didn't even look like it was a fair fight. It, it looked like Gotti needed another person in there with him to help him out with the fight. So ever since that, I just went back, and I've been a Floyd Mayweather fan ever since. Um, and then my fifth one, um, the, the fifth one was, was relatively tough. Um, I, 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 I was considering... Uh, Chavez, mainly, you know, for the same reason B said, you know, 89 and 0 before he took his first L. But, um, and, and, and I don't know, you know, like, I'm a boxing fan, but I'm not like, like, that's not my number one thing. But, you know, I'm going to have to go with, um, I'm going to have to go with Sugar Ray Robinson, man. Um, same, same reason B, uh, went with him. You know, the record is impeccable. You know, I've seen highlights. And, you know, I didn't get to see him in, you know, real life or nothing like that. But, you know, boxing is kind of, I, I think it's kind of like baseball where, you know, your record and, and how many people you knock out and, and, and things of that nature really count. It's more about, you know, what you've done, um, you know. So so I, I have to put him there. And, and, and a close, and a close um, 
an honorable mention, so so to speak, uh, was Roy Jones. I know um, when okay. we were all together, we kind of uh, I, I threw Roy Jones out there, and I wanted to put him in there. But just the way he fell off, he ended, it was yeah. just like, yeah, oh, I just man. like, oh, I can't put him top five all time. Just, just because know, I think he's, mm-hmm. go ahead, B. I'm just saying, before we get to Ken, I mean, I know you mentioned Albert Mitchell. You know who was my honorable mention? Was Bernard mm. Hopkins. I mm. Oh, I forgot about B-Hop. I've never seen, like, honestly. Just, and B-Hop's just still fighting, too. <laughs> that, but, but think about this, though. I've never seen a fight where I'd be like, oh, yeah, Bernard got his ass whipped. Yeah, oh, yeah, Bernard lost. Every time when Bernard lost, it was over some bullshit judges. Like, it was over, like, you know, decisions. You know, he never, like, just. The only time I ever seen Bernard possibly took an L was when he fought uh, Roy Jones the first time in '93, where I was right. like, okay, yeah, from from a point standpoint, yeah, Roy Jones got him, but it, he still didn't. Roy Jones didn't beat his ass like Roy Jones was beating everybody else's ass during that time. So I've never seen Bernard Hopkins just like take an ass whooping. Never, never. He and, and you know what? Bernard Hopkins always fights. If they say, if someone say, hey, he's just the top dude in the middleweight, Bernard Hopkins is fighting him the next week. Like, Bernard Hopkins mm-hmm. is not to fight. He, he was not scared to fight the, the toughest or the best competition out there. I mean, you, you throw him out there, Bernard Hopkins was not scared to fight him. If you heard Wiki Wright was the best, he fought Wiki Wright, whooped his ass. Yep. Uh, Antonio Tarver, light heavyweight. Oh, I whooped his ass. You know, yep. everybody. So, you know, yeah, he, like you said, as soon as they threw somebody yeah. out there, he so hopped out there, and ready to he, fight him. Yeah, like he, be uh, about to fight old boy, um, the currently champion Stevenson, uh, um, um, Stevenson. I can't think of his first name. His last name is Stevenson though. He been, he been cracking heads in the light heavyweight right now. And Bernard Hopkins ready to fight him. He's like, yo, I want to fight him. So yeah, Bernard Hopkins is my honorable man. He was about to be number five, man. He he, I, I wouldn't mind putting him in there, but that's another one you can you cannot forget, man, because I have never seen him take a take a L, like truly take a L. Oh, definitely, definitely. What about you, Ken? Your top five boxers, any weight class of all time? Um, for me, I will um, <clears throat> kind of keep it a little, just like FIFO, uh, kind of quick and to the point. Um, number five, I, I'll, I'll go with, with George Foreman, man. Um, okay. You know, it, it's just one of those things that, you know, they they say <laughs> his punches came like, like, like they, they were – they had a, he had a lot of power behind his punches, even though they didn't look quick. But if you got hit with one of them, you definitely felt it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I also remember just you know I, I don't remember the fight, but of course you know he, he fought Ali, so he's kind of one of those guys I grew up with, so I remember him. You know, so um, number five was a little bit tough because I really you know couldn't really find anybody, um, so I just kind of went with a personal favorite. You know, of mine from from just growing up. So I'll, I'll take George Foreman. Um, uh, I'll go with uh, Robinson as well. He's going to make my list just like everybody else. I mean, the, you know, you, you can just Google him and look at everything he's done and and all of that, man. So he, he deserves to be on the list. Um, Jack Johnson, man. Uh, okay, I, I'm putting Jack I'll Johnson on throw that the name list. Out. <clears throat> huh? I said I was waiting on somebody to throw that name out. Yeah, you know what? I I read about him in and um gosh, it was a it was a it was a book I was reading and I cannot remember what book it was. But um it, it and it was just detailing just, you know, uh what he did and the things that he did when when he started boxing, man, and you know, he he was he was this big guy at the time and they said, man, he just used to tear, you know, I I'm not trying to be 
racist or anything, but that's we fought a lot. He used to tear white people up. <laughs> and, and, and they used to get mad as hell. Because yeah, they yeah. could not. A lot of money was riding was riding against him. And yeah, he used to he used to win. Yeah, and, and yeah, man, so just because of his bravery, you know, at the time and, and just everything and just being able to go in there and just beat white people up at a time where that would get you killed. Uh, it, he really should be number one, but you know. So, um, but yeah, man, just just what I read about him, I've never seen him fight, obviously, but just the history behind Jack Johnson. Um, yeah, he, he, he'll always be in my top five. Um, two and one, you know, can can go either way. But um, Tyson is number two, and Ali is number one. Tyson, of course, again, it's just one of those guys you just you just grew up. I grew up watching him. And, you know, it was like mm-hmm. he – you wanted to see the fight, but you knew if you bought a Tyson fight, you were wasting money. <laughs> but if you didn't buy the fight, you, would, you wouldn't have anything to talk about come Monday. <laughs> because yeah, he, he would hit somebody so – and everybody be talking about it. Man, I, just because, you know, I know we um, – it, it was Monday, I think. I was at work just watching old Tyson fights when you guys were texting back and forth. I was like, oh, yeah, let, me, let me go look at some of these. Man, man, and look, everybody out there watching, it, it, go go just watch Tyson knockout. This guy would just fold people up. Mm-hmm. He would mm-hmm. he would hit people so hard, man. They would just sit there on the ground and just st- just and just sit there. They wouldn't even try to get up. They wouldn't even try to get up. It was crazy, man. He, I don't know if you guys remember the punch. I don't know who he was fighting. I can't remember, but he hit somebody so so hard, his leg folded up under him. Man, Tyson, look, man, nobody wanted to fight him. And, and, you know, even when they were beating him, you still didn't beat him because he bit your ear off. (laughs) (laughs) He he truly lived up to the moniker, the baddest man on the planet, because he truly was at that time when he was on his reign. Um, Man, I I, I think for me, I'm I'm just going to keep it simple. Uh, For me, it was Mayweather. I got Mayweather at five. Um... You know, like I said, honorable mention, man, um, was Roy Jones. Roy Jones had a nice, he had a great run. You know, he really tailed off at the end. But Mayweather's at five. Uh, Chavez is at four. Uh, the great Joe Lewis, I didn't see him box, but the great Joe Lewis is number three. Joe Lewis, uh, let me read you his numbers, man. 66 wins, three losses, 52 knockouts. I mean, I mean, like you said, guys would, I mean, like, they, they, they had to be fighting almost like every other week. I mean, just to to compile those kind of numbers. Um, yeah. I mean, of course, you know, it's definitely not good for their health, but, I mean, that's just how they fought. Um, and obviously, man, number two, Mike Tyson. Um, what can I say about Tyson that hasn't already been said? I mean, to me, he was just a beast. Uh, I really wish that Tyson had stayed with his original camp of Kevin Rooney and um, the other guy right after Custom Auto died. Because, you know, he... Before he got with Don King, man, he was focused. He was, I mean, he was just, he was a beast, man. And, yeah. And like, yeah. like you said, go go watch Tyson's. Now, I mean, it was, he had already won the battle when he stepped in the ring because the people ring. were just yep. shook. And, I mean, it, Tyson was so dominating that if you lasted three rounds against him, you know, that was an accomplishment. I mean, like, that was something to brag about. Hey, well, I lasted three rounds because... You know, Tyson had the, he, he came up with the famous saying, you know, everybody has a, has a plan until they get hit. And he said, my job, what I tried to do was hit a guy on the bridge of his nose 
so the bone would be pushed into his brain. I was like, oh, my gosh, this dude is a killer. Um, Tyson's mm-hmm. two, obviously. The GOAT for me is uh, Ali. Um, I got a chance to see Ali. I, I, I was around for the Rumble in the Jungle, but I was a kid. Um, <laughs> I think I might have been a baby. But um, I saw Ali toward the end of his prime. Um, and that kind of – and, it, you know, it, he was still the greatest to me still and always will be the greatest. Um, it kind of hurts me to see Ali now. Um, just because I remember him being so charismatic and so enduring and so, you know, he, he was just a people person. And, you know, now, you know, he can barely talk of a whisper. And, uh, you know, I just, it hurts me to see him like that. But it's good that he still gets out. He's still, in, and from what I understand, he's still very cognizant of where he is and what he's doing and what's going on. Um, but I miss I miss the old Ali. I miss the old Ali. Um, but, yeah, that's, that's what, uh, th- those are my top five right there. Uh, the phone number to call in six four six four seven eight zero three five six. Again, six four six four seven eight zero three five six. You are locked in live to Dead End Sports. I'm your host, Twelve Kyle, and this is Dead End Sports, joined by my partners in crime. You know them from Dead End Hip Hop, the Ken and FIFO. Hit us up six four six four seven eight zero three five six. Let's jump to basketball, man. Um, second round is underway. Uh, the first round, uh, excuse me, the first games of the second round started last night. Uh, there's two games tonight. Looks like Miami has taken care of uh, Brooklyn already, and uh, the Blazers and San Antonio just tipped not too long ago. Um, so let's start with the we, we did predictions for the first round. So let's go ahead and get the predictions in for the second round. Um, Wizards versus Papers, Pacers. Uh, FIFA, who wins this and how many games? Uh, the Wizards are going this in five. Um, it's, it's, it's not, five, okay. <laughs> five, maybe six, maybe six. Um, like, like, like I said it, man. You know, we we talked about it this past week when we were all together. Mm-hmm. The Wizards. I, look, a shout out to Irrelevant Ant because uh, Ken, Ken did remind me or reminded him as well last night on Twitter that uh, he, he, he laughed at me when I said that the Wizards were a playoff team with John Wall. And I've been saying it. The pieces were there. The final pieces, uh, mm-hmm, the, the final pieces were just put there this year with, with the Gorsat move and with John Wall being healthy. Uh, John Wall has ascended himself to that superstar level of uh, point guard right now. And um, if, if Indiana had a problem with Jeff Teague, yeah. They have their hands full <laughs> with John Wall. Like, let's be honest, Jeff Teague is nice, but he's not John Wall nice. And then you add Bradley Gill, then you add two big men that can score, then you add the, the, the veteran leadership of Trevor Ariza, who has a ring, by the way, uh, via the Lakers. You know, he played a, an integral part of that team. Remember, he stole a lot of uh, inbound passes for the Lakers uh, yeah. you know, years back. Yeah. You know, yeah. And he was a big part of them. And 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 yeah. I didn't under, I never understood why they why the Lakers didn't resign them. But either way, um, you know the Wizards, are, their roster right now in the East is second best to Miami that's left in the playoffs. So I definitely think they'll make short work of Indiana, especially because right now just mentally and just even systematically, Indiana has nothing offensively. And I don't understand Mr. Hibbert that is seven two and is getting zero. Like, 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 if, if, if y'all follow me on Twitter, I, I tweeted it out a couple of weeks ago against Atlanta. His whole stat line was zero, and, and he just had another one. That's I, I just I don't I don't know what's yeah, happening. Yeah, you've never seen that in playoffs. Nah, nah. 
maybe one game, you know, you could pass off one game. Like, okay, well, shit happens. But, nah, man, like, I, I just, I don't know what's happening with the Pacers, and the Wizards are going to make short work of them. Okay, okay, okay. So, FIFO says the Wizards at five. What about you, Ken? Uh, which, which, way, which way is this series going? Man, FIFO and I, man, uh, we, we're kind of in sync on this one, man. I, I thought about this one, um, uh, you know, a lot today <clears throat> after watching the game yesterday. And um, I, I wanted to go four. I wanted to go sweet. But I, I will respect the Pacers' number one seed that they obtained uh, throughout the season. So I will give that the respect it deserves. But I, I, I think they're going to win in five, man. And, and here, here's, here's a couple of reasons why. Um, in, in spite of all of the struggles that they've had, you know, throughout the, the Taylor part of the season, you know, when you watched that game yesterday, and I watched the first half, mm-hmm. Washington looked so composed and confident. Yeah. Even when the Pacers made that run, they did not fold. They did not panic. They continued to play their game because it seemed like Randy Whitman – has them, not only is their confidence high, but he, he has them understanding the game itself. And they knew that, for one, we, we all know the Pacers, the Pacers were not going to continue to shoot 70% for the rest of the quarter, so the run was going to eventually reverse itself, and they're going to start missing buckets. You know, so they never folded under the pressure of Indiana. And Chicago has a great defense as well, and they were able to withstand them. So they're used to the intense defensive pressure that uh, that uh, that they face against certain teams, and of course they are a great defensive team, and we all know the Pacers have trouble scoring. So you throw that into the midst, and the top ten defensive team, and a team like people said with a player like John Wall that has ascended, it's trouble. It's trouble because he controlled that game. His floor game yesterday, I, I, I thought was great, man, because he pushed it. Even when he wasn't looking to score, he pushed the ball. And it kind of presented that threat to Indiana that they had to get back. So, um, so you got you, so you got you have that going for them. Um, and, and you know, Indiana's just they just in a funk, man. Look, Hibbert's not the kind of guy that you can yell at. And and I don't know what David West said to him, you know, in, in the locker room. Uh, but I don't think Hibbert's the kind of guy that can take that type of berating that I'm pretty sure David West gave him. Um, and I'm pretty sure David West took Rajuel Butler in there just to make sure things didn't get out of hand. Because, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because it didn't make sense for him to go in there. He was like, look, you need to come in here and referee because I'm just going to lay into him. David uh, Hibbert's not that kind of guy. If he was that kind of guy, he would be out of this funk already. But the matchups that the Wizards have against the Pacers, it, it's all there. Hibbert plays terrible. He doesn't play really, really well against guys that are his size and 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 Gortat is just as big and as stronger as strong as Hibbert. We all know Nene can match up with David West. Ariza can play hell of a defense. He can shoot and spread the court. So he can play defense on George. John Wall just has a, a terrible mismatch against against George Hill. And Stevens is a wild card. But Bradley Beal is, is is a superstar in the making. And he for him to be twenty, the way he played, man, yeah. he looked like a veteran out there. It's incredible. So yeah, man. I, I you know, look the pay, the Wizards. They are not afraid, but more importantly, they're playing like they're down 0-1. And and that was one of the things that I picked up. Bradley Beal said, 
Yeah, man, we're gonna, we, it's like we, not, we, not, we didn't even win a game. He said, we're going to go out here, we're going to act like we lost the first game, and that's how we're going to play. So, man, I, I think the Pacers are in serious trouble because the Wizards, they are not Atlanta and it, <laughs> at all. And, and, and you know what, Ken, watching that game, well, you know what, first off, I want to say, I remember earlier in the year we, we named our top five shooting guards, and when I said Bradley Beal, y'all kind of was like, huh? Well, yeah, man. <laughs> no, I, I mean, man, he's got a street jumper. Well, I'm not. I'm not saying everybody. I don't remember who. Oh, I'm just saying oh, it, it was overall, overall. Well, me. Okay, but um, you know, wa- wa- watching the game yesterday, I think it kind of showed the, you know, the different levels of John Wall and, and, and also Jeff T. But it also shows how um, somebody that is a, a, a team that is ready to make that jump because. Every time Indiana tried to make a run, Washington had an answer. And every yeah. good to great team, especially teams that have playoff success, that's what you have to be able to do. You have to be able to withstand other teams' runs and have an answer. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and Washington right now is playing poised. And Kenny Smith says something, um, and I 100% agree, because once my coach taught me this and I understood this, it's when my game jumped. It, it, you know, John Wall, Randy Whitman has John Wall understanding pace and tempo. Yes, you can run 100 miles an hour, but the best point guards know how to go from 50 to 100. That's an exact quote from Kenny Smith, and it's 100% right. When you're a guard, when you know, when you start understanding change of pace, change of direction, you're unguardable. And especially with John Wall's speed and his increasing uh, mid-range jumper. You know, kind of like Tony Parker. Tony Parker had to learn that with San Antonio. And I'm mm-hmm. mad. Look, Washington is the real deal. Yeah, I, I, th- I, I think I agree with everybody, man. I think uh, Tifo, did you give? Uh, did you give the how many games? Yeah, I said five. I think B's the only one that hasn't gone yet. Okay. Yeah. What, what about you? Before I get mine, what about you, B? Uh, what's your take on it? Pacers and uh, and Wizards. How, who wins and how many games? I'm going to the board. If y'all follow me on Twitter, man, you know, as I was watching this game yesterday, I, I, I had called it. I'm like, we're just going to take this to six. Uh, I mean, it's just, you know, like, I think y'all make good points. This is, like Ken said, this is not Atlanta. This, this is, this is the Wizards. And, you know, let's not forget, you know, I know we, you know, man, I'm not, I'm not taking nothing away from Bradley Bill and John Wall. Let, let's not forget, Nene was working Joe Kim Noah, you know, a, a yeah. better center than Hubert. And, you know, you think people keep saying, like, yeah, Hubert's going to be the key, Hubert's going to be the factor. No, he's not. Stupid old bum ass. If, 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 Nene, if, Nene was, if Nene was doing work to Joe Kim Noah, a great defensive, you know, center, you, what you think he's going to do to Hubert? He's going he's gonna to abuse him. And, and, and Gortat, man, he came a long way from backing up Dwayne Howard in Orlando days to – you know, having this game improved in Phoenix, and now look where he's at, a starting, you know, power forward center for Washington Wizards. And let's not sleep, man. You know, Andre Miller, a crafty veteran coming off the bench. Yep. I mean, coming like, off let's the not, bench. And they got, old, they, they got another young guy, too. Um, I forgot they got that rookie. He was balling in the summer league, too. I can't wait till he, when he gets into his own um, Porter. I can't think of his first name. His last name Porter. Otto Porter. Yeah, Porter. yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. You know, they got him, and, you know, he, he was – Falling in the summer league um, this past season after they drafted him, so you know I think Trevor Reeves kind of kind of took that 
took his men's away from him because they both play the same position. And, you know, let's not forget Trevor Reza, another crafty veteran that, that, that knows what it takes to, to win championships. I thought he did a great job playing perimeter defense on, on Paul George. Paul George shot 14, 4 for 17 on the field. So, you know, shout out. Let's, you know, I know we praising John Wall and Bradley Bill, but, you know, Trevor Reza and Nene, Two two veterans. Let's not forget about those guys, man. They 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 are actual key key factors too on this Wizards squad, man. They they have a squad. Damn, San Antonio getting up on. Uh, I'm sorry, I just changed subject. San Antonio getting up on Blazers kind of quick, but um, yeah, Wizards and six. Uh, Wizards and six. I, I think I can see Pacers probably uh, winning winning either either losing the next game and then winning one in Wizards and then Wizards win the you know the game five and come back. And you know, finish it out at home, you know, in game six or whatever. I can see something like that happening, but as of right now, yeah, I say six, six games with it. No doubt, no doubt. I'm, I'm gonna go with uh, I'm gonna go with the Wizards in six too, man. I, I think uh, I tell you what, if if they don't turn it around and turn it around quick, it, it could be that you could you could easily break out the brooms. Um, much like what Atlanta did, not just in game one, but in, in the other games that they played, um, you knew eventually that Atlanta would kind of wear down down the stretch. But like like you said, man, if if they had a problem staying in front of Jeff T, then you're gonna have you definitely gonna have a problem staying in front of John Walt. And then the difference is too is that um, when you take Paul George off of whoever he's on and put him on a point guard, that's gotta be tiresome for him too. So then, you know, you're going to need guys like Wes. You're going to need guys like Stevenson to step up. And Stevenson just, I mean, he has the ability, but Stevenson is just, I call him Rufus, man. I, I call him Rufus because he don't look like a Lance to me. He looks like a Rufus. Um, Stevenson, man, he just, he, he he's the gift and the curse. I mean, one one trip down, he will do something that will, you know, make you, you know, proud and happy as a fan. And the next thing, you know, he's getting texts and just doing dumb stuff with the ball. He's, he's over, you know, typical New York cat. Not to offend anybody from New York, but you know, y'all will dribble the air out of the ball, um, and that's what he does. And uh, you know, then subsequently turn the ball over. So um, I think that's that's part of their problem too. And obviously, um, <laughs> Roy Hibbert, uh, B call him Hubert. You, at this point, you can call him whatever you want to call him because he's been terrible. Um, you know. It, it, a lot of what he struggled with in the Atlanta series, people say, well, oh, it's a bad matchup. Atlanta has centers that shoot threes. He can't come out and play deep. I mean, he is non-existent. I, I, I tweeted out last night, check Roy Hibbert to find out if he's in love. Either one or two things that happen. Either he's, he's either in love or the Monstars from, this, from Space Jam came and took his game away because he, he is just, like, terrible at this point. And they can't do anything with them. And I think right now, it's styles make fights. The Wizards are a bad matchup. They are a very bad matchup. You know, the only thing that they can hope for is that to get, you know, Gortat or Nene. Nene in particular, get him into foul trouble early. But you got guys like Wall and Beal who can fill it up. Um, you know, obviously, bench production is going to be key in this game. They really don't get a lot from that bench when I'm speaking of the Wizards. But um, but I think I think overall, man, I think the Wizards... Um, right now with a healthy Nene, man, I think that they are the team. That I think that they can beat Indiana. Uh, relative, I don't want to say easy. I think it'll go six. I think, but if if Hibbert doesn't snap out of it, 
and whatever and, and uh shout out to um I am Jay Forever on Twitter. He, he we were tweeting back and forth and he said uh he said that, you know, that India's in a slump. I don't know if you can call this a slump because this has been going on since the All Star break. I mean, mm-hmm. it's just it's even it's it's even more exposed now. And Frank Vogel, uh he's if he's gotta be fighting for his job at this point because this team, this team was supposed to dethrone the Miami Heat. Right now, it did. I mean, they barely got out of Atlanta, barely. So, and the Wizards are a much better team than Atlanta is. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens this next week and a half. Um, but they're in trouble. They are in some serious trouble. Uh, the phone number to call in area code three four six. Excuse me, area code six four six. Four seven eight zero three five six. Right now, let's jump to the line. Looks like we got somebody calling in from Skype. Uh, let's pull it up here. Skype caller, you're on the air. Which name were you calling from? Yeah, this Naj in ATL, man. What's going on? Naj, what's going on, brother? What up, Naj? What up, dog? Hey, everything y'all saying tonight is on point as far as this series. Uh, I guess the the thing I would add is. John Wall's speed is dictating the whole game. He's getting down yeah. there so fast that he, he's getting mismatches before Indy can set up. And then we we saw a couple of times where Hibbert or Hubert, it was what I'm going to call him from now on, <laughs> shout out to you for that, had to step up on Nene, and Nene is giving him that jumper or taking one dribble and going around uh-huh. him. And they're just getting these cross matches because John Wall is just pushing that pace so hard, man. That dude – that dude is phenomenal, man. Just just his demeanor, his pace, everything about him. And with all that said, Indy is the better team and should win. And if Vogel would just make simple adjustments, they could win this series. You, you sit you sit here down, man. You got to start Scola or Mahimi. Mm-hmm. And you got to make this a defensive series. And that uh, $40 million point guard, George Hill, has to have his minutes Oh, cut. my gosh. $40 million? Are you serious? Five years. Mm-hmm. Forty million. Yeah, you gotta you gotta cut his minutes and uh as far as Paul George, I, I don't know what he was doing in game one as far as uh it just seemed like he he wasn't as active as he normally is, so we'll have to see what, what changes uh happen in game two. But Indy can take this in the long run. I, I just cannot believe I'm old school. I can't believe a young team like this can go in and beat a veteran team to go to the Eastern Conference Finals. It, it just doesn't make sense, and I'm, I'm not going to believe it till I see it. I don't know, man. It's definitely, if they don't turn it around and turn it around quick, and, I mean, we did say this in the Atlanta series, and they look just as flat as they did in, well, actually, you know, they got almost blown out of their own building uh, in the first game of the Atlanta series, but the difference is this is a different team. Like And like B said, you know, they could come in tomorrow and really uh, have the mindset of we're down 0-1, and if they jump out a 2-0 lead, I mean, I mean the Oof. Wizards have a you know they they have a lot of confidence going in, and, and that's the thing that you want to take away from a team. And, and it seems like the more and, and like even as I watched the game, you guys tell me if you felt the same way. As I watched the game last night, not at one point in time did I think the Wizards were in danger. Now, I mean, like they nah, from, from right. the opening tip, they had control of the game. Um, yeah, the Pacers sets look bad. Oh, my bad. Go ahead, bro. No, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, Nas. I was just gonna say the Pacers sets look bad. I mean, it got to the point to where they it was do. either isolation with George or Stevenson, or it was a jumper from the high post from David West or Scola, and and that was the offense for the whole second half, damn near. 
So it's, and, and you know what, Nas? You know what, Nas? Um, I, I think that a lot of this does have to come down on Frank Vogel mainly because of this. Um, championship teams have an offensive system. They play defense, but they all have an offensive system. Indiana doesn't have an offensive system right now, at least not one that they can revert back to when their stars try to take games over like a David West, like a Paul George, like a Lance Stevenson at times. Sometimes, you know, as a player, you can overthink the game. And sometimes as a coach, you need to call that timeout and be like, all right, let's settle down. Let's run our sets. Let's get into our offense. Let's do what we do. And let's get back into this game. They don't have that. They don't have that. And then also, I feel like he's not utilizing his entire bench. Chris Copeland needs to get more minutes because of the mm-hmm. matchup. Yeah. Because Roy Hibbert is not giving you – he's giving you goose eggs. Because right. Iman Mahimi is basically giving you goose eggs. So guess what? You may have to do something that you haven't done all year, and that means go small. You may have to play Chris Copeland at the four and, 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 and go with West or Scola at the five. And to me, as a coach, you need to exhaust all your resources. You know what I'm saying? And to me, Frank Vogel, I, and I understand being a, a little bit stubborn and, and sticking to your guns, but this is my thing with basketball in terms of coaching. I feel like, like there's two levels of coaching. There's chess and there's checkers. Be, chess mm-hmm. meaning that the beginning of the season, what is my identity as a team? What are we going to do? What are we going to hang our hat on? That's the chess. And checkers is in the game. When this coach does this or this team is able to do that, what am I going to – what's the one move I need to do to take something away? And Frank Vogel is not doing that. He hasn't done it in the Atlanta series, and he definitely hasn't – he didn't do it in game one. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, so yeah, I, yeah. And, and I'm wondering if it's is – it, is it a thing of confidence or is it a thing of spine and backbone? Because I'm wondering – does he have the heart to say, Lance, i got to put you with the second team because you're disrupting the offense with the first team and right. you're not giving me enough plays for me to, you know, give you that kind of freedom. So I'm going to put you with the second team and let you run wild. I don't think he has the heart to do it. So that's the other question. And, and Roy is not a basketball player in the true sense. He started playing late, so he didn't grow up playing basketball like mm-hmm. everybody else did. So when you have a slump and, you know, you kind of people get down on you, get down on yourself, you know, this this is something that happens. He seems to go into a shell, and he's out there looking like, you know, he's going to go catatonic, man. Uh, uh-huh. Who was that Yankee who couldn't throw the first base anymore a few years back? I mean, that's what it's looking like out there. Like, mentally, he's just lost. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. So, and I, you I guys know, know once, once you lose your confidence as a player, man, it, it, it's, that's I, it. I don't know. I mean, what can you do? And it's only, <laughs> it only gets worse because... You could kind of see in game seven against the Hawks, Hibbert hit his first shot, and I think he missed his first shot, and then the second shot he hit. I think he started off like four for five. There was a a, a sigh of relief. I mean, like he was, you know, smiling on the bench. I mean, he still didn't, you know, really get the minutes that he probably wanted to have gotten, but, you know, he shot. And and at this point, you know, when you're talking to the, the, you know, constantly the media is talking about it, you're having closed-door meetings with your teammates and stuff like that, you know, Whatever it is, they, but it's not just Hibbert. I mean, it's that team. Like I said, they've been on a tailspin since, um, you know, since the All Star break. And, and like you said, Naj, you you got to see it to believe it, uh, bro. I, I think we've I think we've seen it. We just haven't mm. seen it, you know, blow up in the playoffs yet. But you know, this Washington bunch is very they're very confident, and you know, it, it's sky's the limit for them. So we're we're definitely going to see what's going to happen. Uh, you got anything else for us tonight? 
Uh, well, I, I guess I gotta I gotta go to Mark Jackson, man, the great Mark oh, yeah, Jackson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, oh man, I don't know if you guys have gotten into that yet. Wonderful yeah, job out there co- coaching Golden State. I, I don't know how you fire a guy after that kind of season. What did you think they were a better team than the Clippers? I, I don't think people would say that. So it, it's just amazing that an owner's ego and you know could get involved to that point to where you say I'm getting this guy out of here and I'm going to get my guy in here and. It's sad that basketball has come to this, man. We got this war between the stat guys and the, and the guys who've lived it and breathed it, played it all their life, and now it looks like the stat guys are actually winning. And I wouldn't be surprised if he brings one of them in as the coach. Well, it, yeah, it's, uh, it, it's some behind-the-scenes stuff that, that, that really hadn't come out. It's starting to trickle out now, but um, mm-hmm. definitely wasn't based on his performance as a coach. Uh, it was based on you know, uh, his clash with the front office, uh, Jackson fired uh, some assistants who, you know, basically wouldn't fall in line with his philosophy, which I think is, which any head coach would do. I mean, you got to have, your assistants got to be, you know, you, they can't undermine what you're trying to do. We saw the same thing happen with Jason Kidd and Lawrence Frank uh, earlier this season in Brooklyn. Um, in particular, uh, I, I read something before we came on the air that uh, Mark Jackson had banned Jerry West, who was a consultant for the team, from their practices uh, because Damn. he didn't want him undermining him and his staff. Um, wow. And I think that that didn't, yeah. When I read that, it kind of made sense. So now you got ownership who's probably tight with Jerry West, and, you know, you got a clash with Mark Jackson. And Mark Jackson, you know, he's got a young team. He wants to keep everybody together. If he doesn't, if he feels like West could come in there and be meddling and getting in some of his players' heads, he didn't want that, so he wanted to close ranks. So, um, but yeah, that was that that firing was definitely based on something personal. Um, it wasn't based on performance. Um, if I'm Phil Jackson, I'm calling Mark Jackson tomorrow. I would have, in fact, I would have been on the phone with him already. But um, it's <laughs> right. <laughs> it's gonna be interesting to see what happens, man. But yeah, that's what the little bit of information that I have. We hadn't talked about Mark Jackson just yet, but I'm glad you brought it up. Um, that's what I read. That you know, it was uh, it, it was definitely a, him a clash between him and the front office. It wasn't based on performance because the Clippers suck. I mean, excuse me, the, the, the Warriors have sucked all these years. So it's not like mm-hmm. you know, and, and I mean, he's really turned that team around. Yeah, yeah, amazing man. But uh, I guess you got to pick your battles, man. So if he's in there, exactly, and he's gotten to a point where it's a you know contest against Jerry West, man, you're not going to win that because you know. That man's reputation speaks for himself. Speaks for itself as far as building teams. So, man, that's a tough one, man. But I'm glad to see Mark go somewhere where, where he'll be wanted, though. Definitely, definitely, definitely. As always, nice, man. We definitely appreciate you for calling in, man. All right, man. Thanks for letting me on. I'm gonna hang up and listen. All right, anytime, anytime bro. Anytime. anytime. Yo. Peace. On the Minaj call six four six four seven eight zero three five six. Now let's jump to, we got another call calling in from 804. That's our folk. Q, what's going on, man? Yo, yo, what's good, guys? What's good, what's happening, bro? I just want to let y'all know that uh, Blazers, I told y'all, Blazers over Houston. That's one, you know, getting my reward on that. <laughs> no doubt you that. called it. I called, hey, no, I'm just going to get my, you know, get my points in. But anyway, um, heard y'all was talking about the whole Pacers thing. And, like, I want to ask y'all before um, I, I tell you what I think. What do you all, like, think 
is the root of the problems for them. If you can narrow it down to two or three things, here's my theory, though. My theory is, number one, you trade away Danny Granger. And most people will be like, all right, he was he was the scrub for them. He wasn't doing anything. Paul George emerged. That's not what he did, though, for them. I think certain people like him, certain people like Haslam in like Miami, those are people that you keep in the locker room to keep your franchise. Yeah. And those are the guys that you keep in the locker room who will be generals for yeah. you. Number two, as a Sixers fan, I knew this was going to be the kiss of death. You bring in Evan Turner. And you can't do that. You, you can't do that. Like you going, you have Lance Stevenson in playoff time. You should not be fighting for minutes. That automatically creates turmoil between these two players. And there's already been reports come out that that they were both fighting for time. You, you yeah. have to have your line. They literally got already, into a fist fight right before playoff. Yeah, literally got into a fist fight. You have to have your lineup already going. You have to have your your bench set up, and you already have to have your. You know, you have to have all your lineup set up. You can't be fighting for playoff time. And the third thing is the fact that uh, George Hill has just been almost – George Hill and Hibbert are just absolutely abysmal when they're together on, on the floor. It is just it is just a circus out there. And yeah. my and, and my dad's a Wizards fan. He's telling me that there's no chance for the Pacers to, to win this series because they have too many egos. And the fourth point that I want to bring up is the fact that the Pacers were built to win against one team, not to win a championship. They were built to beat the Miami Heat. They're not built to beat a San Antonio. They're not built to beat a Washington. They're built to beat one team that they might not even get to face. So when you play a team that's faster than, than the Miami Heat, I think, you got John Wall, Bradley. Those guys are really young. They're younger than the Miami Heat. So you can't go into that series thinking you're, that you're going to get the same shots and the same amount of defense that you get from Miami that you get with the Washington Wizards. It's not going to work out. And you can't expect in a championship when you mold your entire team around one dream of beating one team. It's not going to mm-hmm. work. All right, so this, my question is, why y'all, is what do y'all think the Pacers are struggling, basically? All right, look, this is why I disagree with your statement because I, I think the way that Indiana was constructed, they were constructed as a championship team, but one that they knew that they had to get through Miami. And the reason why I say that they were built as a, as a championship team because most championship teams are based off of defense first. You have to stop the people from scoring the ball first. And then from there, it goes down to your offensive system and how you can generate easy shots. Because that's all the system is for. When you look at OKC, they don't get easy shots. When you look at Portland, they get easy shots. Maybe they're more three-pointers, but they're easy shots because you rely on a system. San Antonio, Miami, all of the championship teams have a system where you know if even if your superstar player doesn't have it going, let's run our set, we're going to get what we want. You see what I'm saying? Now, I think that Indiana's biggest problem is mental toughness. I think in, in, in a sense where you're right, those, those changes that happen, I think that the team was not mentally tough enough to adjust. You see what I'm saying? Because when you have a veteran team like San Antonio and then you bring in a Marco Bellinelli, 
you bring in Patty Mills now that's getting more time. And, and, and you look at other teams that are championship teams that bring in other pieces to the puzzle, like in Miami. You're mentally tough. Look at you, Donis Hazlitt. Look at Shane Battier. They don't play for a whole series. They don't play for months. As soon as Fosha calls their name, they're ready. It doesn't matter because they know that is only one goal. Indiana is not meant to. They were not, I thought they were, but I guess that's just outside looking in. But they're, they aren't mentally tough enough to handle those changes that happen. And honestly, they were for the better, for the franchise itself and for the team itself. Why? Because Evan Turner is the type of player that will come in and he can take some of the pressure off of a George Hill and also Paul and uh, Paul George uh, to, 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 to handle the rock and create shots and create his own shots. Just like a Lance Stevenson, so you have a you have a, a bench version of that. But Lance, now it seems like he's taking it personal, and, and, and now he has a conflict with a guy that's only trying to help the team. And, and Roy Hibbert's talking about offense this, offense that. No, look at what Doc Rivers did as soon as he got to the Clippers, and he sat down with DeAndre and said, "Bro, we're not. We're, I'm not calling no plays for you. You need to come out mm-hmm. here, protect the rim, play defense, get rebounds, get us more possession." And that's what helps our team. Indiana's just mentally weak, and that's their problem. Mm-hmm. What, what about you, Ken? What, what do you think's wrong with Indiana? Um, Paul George slept with Roy Hibbert's girlfriend, and he hasn't <laughs> gotten over it yet. <laughs> is that true, or is that something you made up? Man, this is I, crazy. I've seen, I've, I have seen the rumors out there. Um, I don't know if it's Are you serious? You know what? Are you serious? I didn't even know there was a rumor. I was about to say women problems, but I was joking. I didn't know that there was even some remote possibility that could be true. Yeah, no, that you know, it it could, you know, it could be a lie. I I saw it yesterday, but it's it's not really um, growing any legs. But we will know once the the season is over. (laughs) But um, you know what? I I I do think as much as I I I detest Indiana. I do think they they um they do have elements needed to 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 get to the finals um you know if everything goes right. I I've always just contested that they didn't have what they needed to beat Miami um and they were they were not a threat to Miami, but say for instance that do happen and they get there because of the way they play defense and because of the way George Hill can score the ball and get tough buckets. Yeah, they 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 are a threat, and because of David West's uh, veteran leadership, you know, um, you know, they they could um, they could get there, and they they could potentially win it. But you know, much much to what FIFO said, I think I've always questioned certain aspects of their their toughness. And just like you, Naj, I think I think uh, I mean, yeah, uh, I think you um, you're spot on, man. I think they they were kind of built and focused on only one team, and that was the Miami Heat. You know, and and they made a lot of moves, and they focused on getting the 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 number one seed because they felt that that was what they needed to beat the Miami Heat and the Miami Heat only, and um yep. and, and that was at the start of the season and and throughout the whole season, and I thought and always felt that that was kind of a bit of a problem because you're focused on one thing and not the whole thing, even though that's a stepping stone to winning it all, but then. You have but Larry you know, Bird, who's so focused on that goal and went, making these moves, getting rid of Granger, bringing in Evan Turner, who everybody knew statistically was bad. What? And, um, yeah. What are you talking about? 
can specifically as far as his shooting. He doesn't shoot. He doesn't shoot, he doesn't shoot well. He takes a lot of yeah, shots. He's a, he's a spotty no. shooter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that, okay. his, his shooting percentage doesn't fit well for a team that already has struggle, has difficulty struggling. His, mm-hmm. his stats were built on him playing a load of minutes, and now you reduce those minutes, and you know it, it, it compounds the issues. But um, I, I, so yeah, I think the moves that he made, bringing in Bynum, who's a, who's obviously a curse, and then bringing in Granger, <laughs> you disrupt the unity of that whole team, and, and and here we are, man. And and the one thing that we thought was going to be their their uh, an asset for the Pacers. It's still an Achilles heel, man. It's, it's the bench. You know, Scola has been great in spurts, but he can only do so much. So, anyway, you know, I, I, I think you're right, Q. You know what? I slightly disagree with you, Ken. Um, I think that the roster was built for a championship. I think the mindset was what held them back. Mentally, they were held back because you're 100% right. Mentally, all they wanted to do was beat Miami. That's all they wanted to do mentally. But I think that the way Larry Bird put together this roster, the way that the roster was put together, they should be able to beat anybody. They have multiple they, – they, 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 they have length. They have shooting. Again, my problem is Frank Vogel and the utilization of his entire roster to – because let's be honest. During the season, you could be like, we're only going to play big. I don't care if you play small, we're going to play – but – the playoffs are about matchups, and certain teams play certain ways. And I'm not saying that if you play a team that plays small, that you have to play small the whole game, but you have to play small in spurts because sometimes that small lineup is going to make your big lineup look dumb. So it's like, okay, let's play these checkers, and let me get this small lineup in there. Let me match them. Let me stop this bleeding. And, and because the other team is not going to play the small lineup the whole game either. They're going to have to rotate players anyway. So as soon as they rotate, you go back big, and then you start to enforce your dominance as well. My thing is mainly Frank Vogel. Frank Vogel, because, again, when it comes down to mentality of a team, that is the coach. This is the persona of the coach, and we're seeing the worst side of Frank Vogel through his team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he refused I, I agree. to make any any change, any, any changes, man. He's been overly stubborn, and, uh, man, it's going to cost him the series, and it's going to cost him his job. It just might. Yeah. It just might. Q, you got anything else for us tonight, man? Um... Thoughts on Chris Paul. Okay. Let me address that for a second. Go ahead. Um, Chris Paul. Um, yeah, I'm going to go with uh, the Clippers in uh, six. Okay. Because I, just, I think CP3 outclasses Russell Westbrook by a mile, in my opinion. No disrespect to Russ. I think he's a very fast guy. <laughs> you know, I think he can, you know, can run the floor and get the easy layups. But when it comes to being that floor general – the guy Thank who can't can compose the team, be like, yo, calm down, God. I got this. Yes. Fall back for a second. Let me go and get, get these two points so we can get back in, in the game. Chris Paul Thank is you. that guy. You hey, saw what happened. And you see the yeah. coaches. You see Scott Brooks. He looks completely like a little kid trying to coach against Doc Rivers. It's not even close. Doc Rivers, they were down, what, 10, I think? Like the first quarter, they got him right back in the game, second quarter. He said, calm down, y'all. We're just playing off jitters. Chris Paul, get out there and make those threes. And Chris Paul said, I got y'all. Let me lead you to the promised land. And you see what happens when the floor general is doing good. And that's the problem with OKC. OKC cannot depend on KD for every shot. It's not going to be like that throughout the whole playoffs. There are going to be some days where KD scores 13. 
And you know what happens when the KD scores 13? The whole team doesn't do anything. But I'll tell you this, if Chris Paul doesn't do anything, I bet you he's going to still give a bunch of assists to Blake Griffin and DeAndre Jordan. Yep. And oh, of course. Yep. Offered, yep. hands down. So yep. what do y'all yep. think? Y'all, y'all think can, Clippers I, or y'all think I can, KC on that? I completely agree with you, uh, Q, on uh, Chris Paul. Because, you know, anybody know me, I, they know I've been a, a huge Chris Paul fan for, like, the last five years. And I always say he's, he's been the league top-notch point guard because he, he does it all. And like you said, he don't even have to – he he didn't have to have that scoring, you know, like he had last night. He can still dominate the game without topping those threes. You know what I'm saying? He can still dominate. So, that, yeah, uh, Clippers on paper – on paper, Clippers should win this series on paper, you know, mm-hmm. as of right now. You know, of course, that's why they play the game. But I don't know. This may sound so corny and movie-ish or cliche, but I don't know. I think that, that, that MVP speech that KD did, he might, he might, I think he might have called the truth with that one, man. I, I mean, they, for some reason, I can see them kind of rising up, you know, mm-hmm. for KD in this series and, 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 and you know, balling out. Like I said, it mm-hmm. sounds very cliche. I'm I'm with you though. I'm with you though, uh, Q. I think Clippers on paper, Clippers should win this series. I mean, he can go six or seven games. I say six or seven. You know, it doesn't matter. But yeah, Chris Paul, I I 150 percent agree with you. Chris, Chris Paul, Paul, man. Chris yeah, Paul is I, like it's like the the, I agree. the the biggest thing that I just don't trust about OKC is not only the dependency on Durant. But the fact that Memphis didn't have a bench for real, let's be honest. The Clippers have a bench. They have a deep bench, and they have the sixth man of the year. And on top of that, you got, you know, a good defender in Granger. You know, he can get to the line. You know, he's not a great scorer. You know, you got um, J.J. Redick starting. I think he starts now. And... You have a bunch of good guys who understand their role and can fill in because Chris Paul makes it evident to them what their role is. However, it's just a difference. There, there, there are two types of point guards, and I guess I'm kind of being a little unfair to Russell Westbrook, but he just doesn't have what I like to call the floor general attribute. He, he just isn't that guy. He's the guy who feeds off the crowd, and if he gets a big dunk, he's going to go maybe you know a ten point run. But Chris Paul is going to be that consistent. I'm going to get these 13 assists, three rebounds, 15-point kind of guy. And that's the type of guy that the Clippers only need to win against the Thunder. Because if KD goes off, they can contain him enough to at least win by two points if no one else is scoring on the Thunder. But if everyone on the Clippers is understanding their role, I think hands down this game goes six, and the only two losses that the Clippers get will be close because KD just balled out. You know? But... I don't know, like what's so what do y'all think uh, about OKC? You think that this whole MVP thing is gonna make you know Durant ball out basically, or is this what's your like, take on it, Ken? Uh, well, Ken. Uh, you know, um, okay, there you go. I, yeah, much like B, I, I could I could see that um, being a spark for them, but as long as Westbrook plays the way he's playing, it's not going to be much of a spark. Because Westbrook will have to change who he is. And Westbrook will have to play within the confines of whatever it is that they're trying to do within that system offensively. And and, and give it up to Kevin. You know what Westbrook will have to do? He will have to treat Kevin Durant like the MVP he is. 
You know what I'm saying? He would have to show, you know, homage to that trophy, the award that he got. And 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 uh play through K D, man, but that's kinda not him right now for whatever reason and you know, uh I, I hate to say it but, you know, it, it kinda is what it is. I would love to see it, but nah man, Westbrook is, is problematic right now for OK. <laughs> Oh man, I think uh, I, I see this series going seven. Um, it's hard for me to pick against OKC uh, simply because I think at the end of the day you're going to get some type of uh, phenomenal performance from KD, and I think he's going to he's going to he's going to rise up to the occasion. Um, I thought he played well last night. It's just you know they they gonna they're going to need some help. Um, you know, Westbrook didn't Westbrook played pretty good last night too, but. And, and you're not going to have another game where 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 Chris Paul goes eight for nine from three point range. Uh, that being said, uh, I think you know somebody on their bench, whether it be uh, Cephalosha, whether it be uh, Jackson or, or whomever, uh, they're going to need somebody else or somebody's else's. If you need more than one, just to uh, to, to to add to the scoring because you got to get other guys in double figures. Um, if KD goes for 30 and Russell goes for 25, that's not enough. And then nobody else is in double figures, it's not enough. Ibaka, somebody else is going to have to step up. So it's going to be interesting to see um, how that plays out, you know, as we go forward. Um, what about you, FIFO? Any any call on um, on the Clippers and uh, and uh, Thunder? I just want to say um, for everybody that that knows me outside of you know that in hip hop that in sports, you know, people that know me by my first name, um, I, I called it. I called it. I, I knew exactly what was going to happen. Everything that I said, almost to verbatim, to a T, happened last night. Um, the problem, and, 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 and I spoke to you guys during the fight about it. What did I say was going to be the difference in, in this series? Execution. And when it comes down to execution, it's not just CP. A lot has to do with how great CP is. But what does it come down to? It comes down to Doc Rivers and, and installing a system for his pieces for everybody to shine. That is what Coach uh, Scott Brooks hasn't been able to do. He has not been able to design a system where Russell Westbrook and Kevin Durant have been able to coexist. It's my turn versus your turn. And that's mm-hmm. their problem. And that's their problem. And that's why they're going to lose. Um the Clippers overall have a better roster. They have a better complementary roster. I think that OKC has a more athletic roster, a more defensively built roster. But when you take into account what Doc brings, what CP brings, and the ascension of Blake Griffin, and what DeAndre Jordan has been able to accomplish in these playoffs and throughout the season, Man, look, OKC, as much as I love KD, as much as KD is the MVP this year, as much as I love Russell Westbrook, OKC cannot overcome all of that. I, I, I don't – they cannot. They cannot because here's the thing. Just from a coaching perspective, this is what I do. This is what I would do, and this is pretty much how it played out last night. I'm, t- I'm going to try to take KD out of the game. You're do- I'm double-teaming him. You're not going to do anything. And I'm going to make Russell Westbrook beat me. Why? Because he's inefficient. And he's going to take it too personal. And you saw he had five turnovers in the first half last night. I, look, look, it, to me, it's easy to break down OKC. OKC's not going to win this series. 
Yeah, and I want I want to jump back in here real quick too. Right. Um, yeah, people, you're absolutely right, man. Um, this, you know, Westbrook is going to make this a one-on-one matchup, and and that's going to be the problem for OKC. And and you know, as much as I love KD, um, man, I, I just also have a rule, man. If you win the MVP of the league that year, you don't win the title. <laughs> it, it's been it's been that way for a couple of years until I think LeBron did it. But prior to then, remember Derrick Rose won it, Dirk Nowitzki won it, mm-hmm. you know, uh, uh, and KD. everybody was winning these MVPs, and they never won the damn championship. So now that KD, he, he got what he wanted, but he got the wrong thing that he wanted. He should have, you know, mm-hmm. and and part of his part of his MVP that he got was to win a championship. We all know that. But this team performed great without uh, Westbrook, even though they're a more dangerous team with Westbrook because he brings a lot more to them athletically and with, with his abilities, you know, they play well. They play really great with Reggie Jackson because, you know, they play more as a team instead of just this, this dynamic duo that they're doing now. And, and you know, if you look at the Clippers, the other problem that OKC faces is Blake Griffin. We haven't seen his imprint on this game yet. That was just CP3. That was CP3 winning a game. We haven't seen Blake Griffin go out and win a game. We haven't seen Jamal Crawford go out and put his stamp on a game like we know he can. So the the Clippers have so much more talent roster-wise that, uh, than, than OKC does that it's going to be a problem. And when you got a guy like CP3 that's out there commanding it all that can win without scoring, I, and they're playing together as a team, I, I, I don't know what you're going to do. And they got Doc Rivers. Mm-hmm. What are you going to do? What are you going to do, man? It's only so much KD can do. So, God, I, yeah, I that's the thing, it, man. I think, he's going to cry, put, dog. I posted in the chat room that maybe. Uh, their downfall is Scott Brooks, you know, his inability to coach and make adjustments. So, um, especially going it's up against a guy like Doc Rivers. It's, I don't think it's the yeah, adjustments. I, I, I just think it's his team. I think it's, it's, it's what he's been at. Look, Scott Brooks has had more than enough time to rein in his team and create an, a system overall that works for Russell Westbrook and Kevin Durant. And for as long as he's been there, he should be able to get into the psyche of Russell Westbrook and let him know, hey, you are the second best player on this team. At times, games, we're all human. Look, out of 82 games that Russell Westbrook, Kevin Durant, and Serge Ibaka all play 82 games. Out of those 82 games, about 65 games, Kevin Durant should be the leading scorer. And about 10 uh, about five to ten of those other games that are left, Ibaka should be the leading scorer. And almost all of those games, Russell Westbrook should be the second or third leading scorer. And that's the problem. That's the problem with OKC. There is, there's not a an ecosystem that allows their best players to thrive. And until a coach creates a system around his best players, you're not going to win. Let's be honest. When Miami got together that first year, they didn't have a system. They got there on talent because LeBron is that damn great because he got there by himself already before. And he got two guys, another guy that basically won a championship by himself, and you got a four-man, a, four a five-man that is top five in the league, top ten in the league. 
You know what I'm saying? So they got there because of talent. But once the next year when they came and you saw an offensive system, it was it was it was game over at that point. Mm-hmm. It's game over at that point, man. And OKC for as long as Scott Brooks has been there, they just don't have something there where everybody can coexist, man. So I'm 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 not buying I'm not buying Scott Brooks. They need to make a move. That's where Mark Jackson needs to go. Oh, okay. You heard it here first. <laughs> you heard it here first. Hey Q, you got anything else for us tonight, man? Um, something. One last thing. One last quick thing. Um, what are your thoughts on Michael Carter Williams winning the Rookie of the Year? And uh, do you think that? This is just the beginning for the, for him. And you think that he can somewhere down the line become uh, maybe a top ten point guard at one point in the league with the skill set that he has? Yes, yes. Um, yeah. B and, and Ken can attest to this. As soon as the draft happened this past summer, I said I love what Philly did. I, I, I said it. Everybody that knows me can attest to it. Philly is on the up and up. Michael Carter Williams is on the up and up. Michael Carter Williams, when it's all said and done, I think he will be a top ten point guard. Um, I think I think what's gonna get him to that point is just a consistent jumper. He has everything else. He has the vision. He has the length. He has things that you can't teach. You see, to say he has all the intangibles. He's a pass first point guard. Uh, he has length. He could play defense. He could play multiple positions. He could play the one and two. So once that jump shot starts to become more consistent, yes, he's going to be a top ten point guard. Very nice. No doubt, no doubt. As always, Q man, thanks for calling in, man. We definitely appreciate it. You already know, man. Appreciate what y'all doing. All right, peace. Peace. Phone number Q called area code six four six four seven eight zero three five six. Again, six four six four seven eight. Zero three five six. Um, other playoff games we haven't talked about. Uh, Nets versus Heat. Ken, uh, who wins and and how many games? Oh uh, man, this was this was tough. Uh, if you guys remember at the very beginning of the year, that there was one team I said that that kind of concerned me when it came to the Heat, and it was the Brooklyn Nets. Um, that was before Brooke Lopez uh, obviously got hurt. Uh, which which kind of changed things a little bit. And then, of course, the Nets went out and put up a fourth spot in the regular season, which to me was kind of a little bit of fool's gold because of how the games were won. Because if they call a foul on Plumlee, that's 3-1, right? If if LeBron doesn't foul out in the double overtime game, in which they were losing pretty bad until, you know, I guess they the Heat took it personal and they stormed back to tie the game, you know, and I think LeBron had a shot at winning that game at the end, and he missed it, or or maybe, at, you know, it could be 2-2. And I think in, in, in one of the other games, I think Bosch had a look at, at winning a game, and he missed it. So those games, of course, could have went any, either way, but 4-0 is 4-0, and they had matchup problems. But one of the things that I saw when the Nets played the Heat was ball movement. They moved the ball so well, and that kind of, one of the things you you kind of do to the Heat, and because they have guys that can put the could put the ball in the basket with them moving the ball like that, you know, it, it made for a balanced scoring. But all of that was the regular season, <laughs> 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 and we know that the Heat don't give a damn about the regular season anymore after winning two. They've shown it, in, you know, uh, all throughout the whole year. 
They ain't scared of anybody. They damn sure ain't scared of uh, of, of the Nets. You know what told me why I think why I was like, you know what, the Heat will probably sweep the Nets if they don't win in the five. If if they don't win in the five, I think the Heat will sweep the Nets. It was because of this one thing that LeBron said after winning, after losing the fourth game. B, do you remember what LeBron said when Craig asked him that question? What did he What did he tell Craig Sager? He told him to get out of here, Craig. To me, that told me that LeBron knows deep down in his heart that when it counts, they can't beat them in a seven-game series. And his confidence in that and the fact that we haven't seen a fully healthy Heat, I was like, you know what? I remember the 3-0 victory that the Bulls had against Chicago. I mean, Chicago had against the Heat and how that went, you know, in five. And, um, of course, you throw in the fact that the Nets went seven against Toronto and then they had to come in a day later. So, yeah, man, I got the Heat in, in, in five or four, man. And then even, even watching the game tonight and seeing how they just, they controlled that game from start to finish. They looked confident. They looked dialed in. They they looked like they were ready to go ahead and just just get this thing over with. Whereas in the regular season, when I watched and I watched all four of those games, they just looked like they were just out there just playing the game of basketball. Hey, we win, we win. If we don't, we don't. So uh, I got I got the Heat in in, in five, man. I, I in five or four uh, four, man. I, I think this is going to be a uh, quick and easy. No disrespect okay, to the okay. Nets, but. What, what about you, B? Uh, how do you see this one playing out? B. Oh, Lord, he didn't put us on mute again. No, I, I, was, I was in. Can you, can you hear me? Oh, yeah, I go. No? Okay, I got you, I got you. Yeah. No, I didn't, how I didn't, how I didn't do you see this one playing out? I think, I think my, my, my earpiece wasn't plugged in all the way. But, um, yeah, I say Miami Miami going to take this and – I wouldn't be surprised if it goes seven, but I say Miami is six. Because, you know, like I can't say, that was regular season. I think Miami just kind of waiting for the playoffs to get started, for them to kick it in high gear. I mean, yeah, sure, it might do something to your psyche that this team beat you four times in the regular season. But, you know, I think two of those games, they didn't have D-Wade. You know, they wasn't fully in full strength. And, you know, like Ken said, at the end, you know, when 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 um, LeBron told Craig Seger to get on out of here, you know, because of that basketball, <laughs> you know, LeBron was frustrated. I remember that, and um, yeah. So I I know going into this series, I I still think it's going to be some matchup problems here and there, but you know, I, Miami's going to take this. They're going they're going to still take this series. I still say Miami's coming out coming out the East. You know, but I'm saying Miami, they're going to win it. But but you know what? Be one quick thing, real quick, before you go to FIFA. Uh-huh. You know about the psyche thing that you said. I, if, if Miami didn't come out and do what they did today, I was like, yeah, you're kind of right. But the way they came out and beat Brooklyn tonight, even though it's just game one, and we all know it's that. Game one. Game. Right, right, right. But right. the way they did it after losing four and everybody talking about that, the pressure of that, yep. you know, yep. I, I think that for them, that has to give them further confidence to say, hey, you know what? Let's go ahead and just just do what we need to do, man, so we can rest another eight days. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. So and then, you know, I, I think them by them sweeping Charlotte so quick. <laughs> <man. laughs> hey, B, I'll be to cut you off. Hey, what I got to shout out my man Tiago in the chat room, Ken. He, Tiago's called you out, man. Tiago said he he asked. He said, "Didn't Ken say Brooklyn would get run out by the Raptors?" 
and I, I and I replied, I don't remember if he did or he didn't. He has a tweet from you. Nets lost four or five down the stretch, about to get worked by the Raptors. Oh. Yep, yep I should have said that. <laughs> I, I, I should have said that. And you know what? They should have. And the Nets pushed them, and, and the Raptors, they, the Raptors <sighs> pushed them to seven, man. And you know what it was? It was inexperienced because they lost two of those games they should have won, the, the, on the bookend games. Yes. They lost the That's first one. And then they lost the second one, which they had a chance to win. But, but oh the Rose, the, you know, Lowry tried to go up against, you know, yeah. the Avengers to score their last bucket and, and couldn't yeah, get it off. I told you, Ken, they were behind their ears. You know, Toronto was good. but they, oh, they, they, they I'm just bugging out the fact that Tiago had yeah. the tweet that you sent. <laughs> yeah, man. Hey, you know, they, you know, you know, Ken, they be screenshotting and, and, and everything on tweets, man. Yeah, you got a screenshot. You got to be, be, <laughs> be, be careful, Ken. You and he posted it in the chat room. <laughs> the wow. tweet was watching, right? The yeah, tweet man, was watching, man. man. Yeah, man, I was... <laughs> Yeah, man, I was, I was mad about that, man. The Raptors let that shit get away. Yeah, man, inexperience, man. I told you, it was that inexperience. <laughs> what about you, FIFA? How, how do you see this one playing out, man? Um, like Ken, I thought I thought Toronto was going to uh, beat Brooklyn. Um, you know, just based off talent, I think they were a more talented team. But like like to B's point, they were a little you know, too wet behind the ears. But you know, it is what it is. In terms of Brooklyn, uh, Ken could definitely attest to this. I have not believed in Brooklyn all year, um, at least not to be a viable contender in the East, especially without uh, Brooke Lopez, especially without Brooke Lopez. Uh, with Brooke Lopez, I think they probably could challenge Miami, push them seven games. But without him, I, I, I said it from get-go. Um, you know, my, my, man, look, that's not a challenge for Miami because they cannot score with Miami, and they're too old for Miami. And, and, and this is the reason why. It's not like Miami is young. Miami is actually one of the oldest teams in the NBA. But their mm-hmm. core, their stars are not necessarily old. D-Wade needs rest because of his needs. But Bosch and LeBron, man, they're tip-top. And let's be honest, right. D-Wade in terms of conditioning is perfectly fine. But KG, Paul Pierce, man, them dudes is old as hell. Karolinko is starting to get up there. And, and the biggest thing to me, and I've made this point time and time again to Ken, Darren Williams is not playing up to his contract. If Darren Williams was playing up to his contract, if he was really a superstar point guard, just with this squad right here, I think they could push Miami six or seven games. But he's not a superstar point guard right now. He's not playing like one. So, therefore, I think that they're going to get – I'm with Ken on this one. I think four or five games, man, maybe six. Because, you know, uh, the truth, Paul Pierce, as much as, I, you know, I, I didn't like him back in Boston and I like him now. But let, let's be honest, man. He's due for a 35-point game against LeBron. Just, you know, and, and looking at his quotes, he said, look, I never had nothing personal against LeBron. But when you want something and only one of y'all can have it, I don't like him. You know, I'm trying to get mm-hmm. to him. You know what right. I'm saying? So I, I could see Paul Pierce having a 35-point game where you can't stop the old man, you know, because he, he's done to LeBron. Let's be honest. In the playoffs. Who's the one guy that always scorches LeBron at least one or two games in the playoffs? It's always Paul Pierce. Pierce. Always. So, you know, I I could see them maybe pushing them six, you know, because of a Paul Pierce type of game. But um, I really think they'll probably get done in about five. Yeah, I'm going to make it short and sweet. I think the Heat will win in six. I think the Heat in six, man. I, I just can't. 
and I think Brooklyn's going to have to figure it out pretty quickly. I don't make much of what happened in the regular season because of just some of the ways, some of the things that Ken outlined. Um, you know, and it playoffs a whole different ball game. So we'll see what happens as we move forward. Uh, the phone phone number to call in area code six four six four seven eight. 0356 again 646 478 you are locked in live taking you all the way up until 11 p.m you're listening live to dead in sports i'm your host 12 kyle and once again this is dead in sports i'm joined by my partners in crime fifo b and ken you know from dead end hip-hop uh, hit us up 646-478-0356 what happened oh i'm sorry i'm watching the game i'm just watching the okay okay i was about to say did i miss something uh, and, and remember, this show is being broadcast live each and every Tuesday night. So in the event you cannot listen to the show live, make sure that you check out the archives at blogtalkradio.com backslash deadendsports. Also, check us out on Stitcher if you have a Android or iPhone. Uh, just go to your uh, application store, download the Stitcher application for free, search Dead End Sports, and listen at your leisure at home or on the go. Um, let's see. We talk Clippers. We, okay, we talk Clippers and Thunder. Um, Spurs, Blazers. FIFA, who wins that in how many games? Um, I, I, I think the Spurs win it in six. Um, the Spurs, okay. they're, they're, they're just too deep, man. Um, I, I love Portland. I love Damian Lillard. Y'all can go back. And I said, if I'm starting a franchise today, the point guard I'm taking is Damian Lillard out of everybody in the NBA right now. Um, but there's still a starting five. You know, um, all, all five of their starters average double digits in terms of scoring. They all shoot over 80% from the free throw line. So you could already, you already know that's the bulk of their scoring. And, and just looking at the point breakdown right now, uh, the last time they showed the bench scoring, it was 9-24 to 24 in terms of San Antonio. You know, so I, I just think that San Antonio is going to be able to wear them down. I, I think that's too much pressure to put on the starters because obviously they need rest. And when they go to the bench and San Antonio's bench comes in, they're going to spread that lead. And, and I, don't, I think there's going to be too much to ask the, uh, the, the, the starter to make up, man. I, I think it's just too much. So I think, I think they get got in six. Okay. Okay. What about you, B? How do you see that playing? Spurs, Blazers? Yeah. If, yeah. God, I might... I thought, see, when I first, when this matchup first came, I, I had picked Blazers as my upset pick just to be different. But, man, yeah, Spurs is just too deep and too experienced. You got Greg, you got a great coach in Greg Pop. I think he's, I think he's going to game plan the Blazers very well throughout this whole series. You know, I, I say Spurs in six, maybe five, maybe five. I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be surprised if Spurs beat them in five. We're not, and you know, like you know, and I think people made this point. I think on a couple of shows ago, like you know, but you gotta have your lumps. You gotta, you gotta have your mm-hmm. experience in the playoffs. You know, so and I think, I think this first series is gonna be the Blazers. Like, oh, okay, this is gonna be our punch in the mouth, our, our haymaker that we gonna take this year. But next year we gonna be ready. So I think this is gonna be the year that Blazers get get popped in the mouth and haymakered in the mouth and probably lose five games. You know, losing five games to the Spurs, but. You know, I think Blazers are going to be coming back, you know, ready to 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 launch, go crazy in, in the NBA. But, yeah, Spurs in six, maybe five. I'm going to go with uh, 
I'm gonna go to Spurs in seven, man. I, I think this is I I I don't know, man. I'm sipping the juice, man. I love watching this Portland team play. I think they're gonna be able to push them, man. I think they're gonna be able to push them uh, to the limit. Um, I'm gonna go out on a limb. <laughs> I'm gonna go out on a limb and say uh, Spurs in seven. Spurs in seven. What about you, Ken? Uh, I'm taking the Blazers. I, I, I think tonight. Is, I, I think tonight is a is a fluke. I see. Uh, oh my God! I, I know, man, we'll I, and I love the Spurs. I love the Spurs, man. But I, you know, I, I think they're a little nervous. Um, they're missing a lot of layups. I still think they don't have an answer for uh, David David Aldridge. Tiago Splitter won't be able to guard in the whole series. Um, and, and, and I'm seeing the, the Blazers make uncharacteristic mistakes from what I've seen in the first half. Um, you know, Lillard, Aldridge, they're not having a good game. They were still within eight or 12 or whatever it was. I, I'm taking the Blazers, man. I, I think they, they're back to where they were at the beginning of the year, man. And and um, so I'm, I'm going to ride out with the Blazers, man. They just need to get one, man, and bring it back to, to Portland. So, man, as much as you used to rave and go crazy over the Spurs, Spurs, eh? Got a lot of old guys, Spurs. Jeez, jeez. <laughs> no. And now you gonna now you gonna turn your back on the Spurs? You went, man, you was riding the Spurs coattail like all season, man. Like Spurs, the Spurs. You gotta love Greg Pop. Greg Pop is this this the genius. And now and then you gonna say the Blazers? Seven oh, the Kool Aid, man. I ain't yeah, mad. I mean, I, I like. I think it'll go seven. I ain't mad at you, Ken. Come, all right, he will he, right. he will definitely be the only one with bragging rights if this one goes out <laughs> if it, it plays out the way he thinks it's gonna play. Yeah, I mean, because I almost picked him. I almost picked him as my as my uh, like upset pick when I was looking at you know the series for the second round. I was like, okay, yeah, I got Wizards beating the Pacers, I got Miami, Brooklyn, I got you know Clippers beating OKC. I was like, and my upset pick would be the Blazers, but you know that's just. That was just like, like I said, I was just doing that just being different. Like, okay, I gotta have an upset pick, so I'm just gonna pick the Blazers for upset pick. But and my heart was telling me, you know, I think the Spurs are gonna pull this out. Anyway. Yeah, you know, so. me too. I, I think, uh, and maybe people said it. I don't know who said it, but one of you guys said it. The, the bench is, is a problem for me, and um, it kind of concerned me against Houston. You know, in the, you know, if they would have went back to Houston, they probably would have lost that series. But um, but no, nah, man, I, I'm, I'm going going out on the limb. And okay. I, I, I'm, I'm gonna take okay. the Blazers as much as I love the Spurs, but they right. they didn't impress me in that first round. Who the uh, the, the Spurs? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so, okay. So Ken says Spurs and uh, excuse me, the, the <laughs> he said the Blazers. I'm my bad. Did you uh, did you put your pick in, FIFO? Yeah, I said uh, the Spurs okay. in six. All right, cool, cool, cool. The phone number to call in, area code 646-478-0356. Again, 646-478-0356. Uh, unless you've been hiding under a rock, the NFL draft is uh, Thursday night, man. The first round kicks off Thursday night. It's going to go Thursday through Saturday. So sports is hot and heavy, man. you got the NFL draft. you got the NBA playoffs. So Cats will definitely be in front of the TV, man. Um, there's been a lot of talk about, you know, number one draft picks, uh, who should go first, whether or not, you know, Clowney, where Clowney's going to go. Obviously, Manziel has been a big talk uh, all, you know, since the season ended, basically. Um, so I'll start there with you first, FIFO. Um, uh, who do you think is going to go number one? 
I think it all depends on, on who has the number one pick. I think if the Texans have it, um, I think personally, I think they should trade down. Um, okay. Honest, honestly, I think Clowney's best fit is here in Atlanta. Uh, you know, it's kind of funny because I remember the beginning of um, last year we were saying, you know, the Falcons, you know, we, you know we're in trouble if we're drafting Clowney. And here we are right. with an opportunity to draft Clowney. Um, you know, but I – I, I don't know, man. Um, I think if the Texans do keep that number one pick, uh, I don't think Clowney would be bad there. I think, you know, him opposite of J.J. Watt to give you a dynamic duo that, you know, the league probably hasn't seen in a while. Um, mm-hmm. Also, uh, maybe a Khalil Mack. But honestly, I, I think Clowney is the best talent here. Um, you know, um, and, and, and I'll put it to you like this. I, I, honestly, I think the best football player in this draft is actually Sammy Watkins. Okay. I think he's going to be the biggest difference maker in year one. Um, but, you know, obviously the Texans don't need him. But to me, if I was a GM, um, you know, obviously depending on the team, man, I, I think Sammy Watkins is the can't miss guy in this draft. I, I, I don't see how he would fail in the NFL. He has a size. He has enough speed. He's more physical than probably anybody in the NFL right now outside of uh, Calvin Johnson and maybe Andre Johnson when healthy. So, um, yeah, man, I, I think Sammy Watkins is the, is the can't-miss guy. But I think uh, the Texans should just play it safe and just take Clowney. It, you know, there's worse, there's worse number one picks than Clowney, you know, in the history of the NFL draft. So I, 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 I think that you really can't go wrong, especially, um, you know, opposite of J.J. Watt. You know, he could learn – from JJ, um, you know, and 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 you're talking in a division where you have Andrew Luck, which every year he's going to get better, and probably that mm-hmm. team is going to get better. You need to get to that quarterback, you know. And if JJ Watson do it by himself and he gets double teamed, what are you going to do when you got two guys that need to get double teamed out there? So, you know, that that that's what I would go with. What about you, B? Uh, who do you think is going number one, man? Uh, I think Clowney's gonna go number one. I think uh, um, Texas might they might be looking to build on the defensive side with uh Clowney and uh what's that J, uh, JJ Watt. JJ Watt, yeah. Might, yeah, I think they, they might they might be looking forward to you know start going strong on the defensive end. You know, I'm not because who who they picked up for quarterback? I know didn't they pick somebody up for agent as a QB? Um, I you know what I think they I think the mindset is that they're gonna probably. Move down, or maybe try to catch a quarterback in in a in, in a, um, later round. Um, oh, okay. I don't okay. know that they have, and I don't have it in front of me. I don't know if they have a proven veteran just yet. Okay, but yeah, I think. I mean, I, I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if they trade with another team just because another team is looking to get Clowney. But I think, I think overall, I think Clowney should be the overall number one draft pick going into this draft. That's. Yeah, I think it's almost like a no-brainer. I think he's just the best player to get coming out that number one, you know, that number one pick. Oh, no doubt, no doubt. What, what about you, Ken? How do you, how do you see it playing out? The number one pick in the NFL draft. Uh, it, it, it's going to be Clowney, man. If it's, if it's not Clowney, I, I, you know, he, he's the best talented uh, in the NFL, man. And and um, you know, I, I know that people question his heart. Um, you know, as it compares to his ability, but he, he's the best player, man. You you can't pass that up. You got to take the chance. And 
let's just be real. There's a lot of number one busts in the NFL. So if he's a bust, yep. you know, because of that, he's yep. a bust. You know, um, and it is what it is. But, you know, you're, you're right, B. They did sign somebody in the offseason to be their quarterback. So it's yeah, not I like can't remember who it was. Yeah, neither can I, but it's not like they need Menzel, even though there's been such a, you know, I, I, I think Menzel got lobbyists working for him, man, the way people are trying <laughs> to put him as number, number one, and, and especially with all of the, 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 the criticisms about his game, you know, but Clowney should be the guy, man, and, and you know, uh, regardless of what people say, he's just the most talented guy in the league, and it's up to you as coaches, as an organization, to cultivate that. And the, do your job. <laughs> so, Clowney, dog. Yeah, I, I I agree. I think it's going to be Clowney. I've heard that Matt could go ahead of Clowney. I heard that he could go number one. But um, even if Houston trades out of the pick, I mean, there's been rumblings around here that Atlanta may try to move up from six to one um, to get the pick. Uh, I just think that, you know, Clowney, I don't think you can pass on that kind of speed, size, and agility. Um and a, and a guy who, in, in a rare case, could have come out last season and still been the number one pick. Um, I agree, man. Sammy Watkins, pure beast. Pure beast. Whoever gets him, you know, he is going to be a difference maker the minute that he steps on the field because he's just that kind of player. Um, real humble kid, too. Very humble. Um, and I think that goes a long way as well. So, um, definitely looking forward to it, man. We're going to definitely have some draft coverage talk uh, next week um, as we come back uh, for next week's show uh, with the NFL draft going down on from Thursday to Saturday. Um, everybody's been talking about Johnny Football, man, so i gotta get your got to get you guys' take on it. Uh, Manziel, man, do you think he's a quarterback who could lead a franchise? Ken, I'll start with you. You mentioned him. Can Manziel be a QB who can Because and, and I'll I'll start first. I've been very critical of the fact that I don't think that his game translates to the NFL. I've heard people I've heard some people call him a smaller Michael Vick. I've heard some people say you know he's a sideshow. Some people say he's going to get killed. Um, you know, and every time I say I, no lie, every time I say something about Johnny Manziel, I don't even call him Johnny Manziel. I call him Jonathan. Every time I say something about Jonathan. I get labeled as a hater. I mean, it is what it is. I don't care. But my point is is that I just don't think his game translates, and I don't know that he is the kind of leader that you want to lead your franchise, the guy to be the face of your franchise. He's not an Andrew Luck. He's not a Colin Kaepernick. He's not a RG3. He's not a Cam Newton. That being said, I just don't see it. Maybe I'm wrong. I want to get your take on it. So I'll start first with you, Ken. Um, is Manziel a QB who could lead a, lead a franchise? I, I I think he has the leadership qualities um, that that you know a quarterback should and he needs to have. Um, but I question whether or not his game will translate to the NFL. And okay. and, and you know what? I, I've always been been uh, critical on him as well because I've seen what I see. I've seen Johnny Manziel perform against elite NFL talent like LSU and, and Alabama and, and other mm-hmm. elite top 10 SEC teams, and he, he just flat out looked terrible. And um, and that's what you see every Sunday all the way down to the worst team in the league. Somebody coming after you, and somebody going to hit you. And, um, and, and I think that that's going to be his problem. 
But on the flip side, we've seen what, you know, the NFL off coaches have been able to do with a guy like Russell Wilson. You know, and they've been able to get him, you know, move him around in the pocket. And so he's been able to be effective. And, um, you know, I've seen highlights of, of uh, Fran Tarkenton, uh, you know, and, and he kind of does remind me of him. So I can see him winning games and being a little bit effective, but I just don't think it's really there, man. I, I just don't. So I'm really looking forward to the NFL this year because I want to see it. I don't believe in him, you know, and, and um, you know, I, and I think he's a great college quarterback, but I don't know if, if he has the NFL game. So we'll, we'll see. But those LS, those SEC teams uh, mopped him up, and he looked, he looked, he looked pretty bad, so uh, yeah, yeah. I'm not convinced. What about you, FIFO? Can can he lead a franchise? Uh, yes. Here's the thing, and, and it, for everybody that's listening to the show, um, I'm kind of like Ken. You know, I, I don't necessarily believe in him, but here's the thing. I think that there's something about him that he is a winner. He has those certain intangibles that you can't coach. Um, I don't think that he'll get away with all of it in the NFL because – Everybody's elite in the NFL. But here's the thing. I think that there's two types of quarterbacks. I think there's quarterbacks that can come into the league, and regardless of who their head coach or the organization is, they're going to be successful. I think Andrew Luck is one of those guys. I think Peyton Manning is one of those guys. Obviously, um, you know, uh, Drew Brees. You know, obviously he turned it on after San Diego, but he had a couple good years in San Diego as well. But then you have certain guys that need to have everything around them that's right. And I think that if Johnny goes to a situation where it's the right system, the right fit, the right organization, I think that he could make a splash in the league. Now, does he have a Hall of Fame career and does it for, you know, 10, 15 years like the greats? I don't know because of the style of play. But here's right. the thing. Again, in, in, in a short-term goal, four to five years, in the right system, I think that he could be exciting. I think he could win a lot of games. And with the right weapons, he might be able to pull it off. But I don't believe in him because I want the type of guy that regardless of who's in power or who's in play, he's going to come out there and you know what you're going to get every game in. So that's how I feel about it. What about you, B? Uh, can Manziel be the leader in the face of a franchise? Can he be a leader? Mm-hmm. He can be a leader, but they ain't gonna win shit. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't think. I don't think that. I mean, I, I mean, you know, I. I just think the media they just be overhyping these little first first round draft pick quarterbacks all the time. Like they, every year, they expect these first round draft pick quarterbacks to come in and do. Be a Peyton Manning, be a, a Tom Brady. Like, they're not going to do that. I mean, the only quarterback right now that I think that has the capability of, you know, leading this team to multiple playoff victories and maybe a Super Bowl is, is Andrew Luck when it comes to mind. But, I mean, Manziel, no, no. He, he, can, he can be a leader of a team, all right. But that, that don't mean that they're going to be winners or they're going to be winning. Because like people said, you're not going to get away with that same stuff you did in college because everybody in the NFL is elite. So, exactly. No, no. Yeah, it, it's gonna be interesting to see how it plays out, man. I, I just, like I said, every time we, he gets mentioned, man, I, you know, whether I'm on Twitter, wherever, Facebook, whatever, um, you know, that the, the hater comes out, and I'm not like I said, I just, I call it like I see it. You know, if I don't like it, I don't like it. That don't mean that I'm hating. I mean, it's not. It's just 
practice of, you know, and I've watched the NFL all of my life, and I think I got a pretty good eye for, you know, what players could be. I mean, of course, I'm not a scout or a talent, and I'm not Mel Kiper Jr. or Todd McShay or like these, you know, so-called experts who never played it down before in their life. Uh, that's another story for another day. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it, it's going to be interesting to see what happens, man. Uh, we get notification. We got about 90 seconds left. Man, this, I tell you, this show gets faster and faster each week. Um, first and foremost, got to thank everybody for tuning in. Uh, got to thank Q for calling in, my man Naj for calling in. Uh, Want to thank you for tuning in as well. Shout out to everybody who came through in the chat room, Charles, Jay Neggs, Machiavelli, Michael Warlock, Roll Tide, Thiago, Splitter, and uh, We Jamming Daddy in the chat room. Um Everybody who hit us up on Facebook as well as Twitter, uh, make sure that you check out this show. Remember, this show is being broadcast live each and every Tuesday night. So in the event you cannot listen to the show live, check out the archives at blogtalkradio.com backslash deadendsports. You can also catch us on Stitcher as well. Uh, just download the Stitcher application to your iPhone or Android. Uh, search Dead End Sports, and you can listen at your leisure. Um, yeah, so great show as always, man. Got to thank my co-hosts, last but not least, uh, Ken B and FIFO. Uh, make sure to check out their website, Dead End, Dead, Dead End Hip Hop. Check out Dead End Hip Hop. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Uh, check out our shows right here on Dead End. What? Uh, so that's going to do it for this week. Uh, for FIFO, for B, for Ken, I'm your host, 12 Kyle. We'll holler at you guys next week. Peace. Let's go, Portland. <laughs> 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 <laughs>